Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Welcome to the 50th anniversary week of the moon mission. The first landing on the moon mission Yes, with uh, multiple astronauts. Uh, can you guys name them? Can you name all three? Robert, we probably know yeah. you can. I can name the easy one. I can get all three. I can do all three. Neil Armstrong. Yes. Buzz Aldrin. Yes. yes. And who had to stay back? Michael Collins. Michael oh, Collins. Michael. Sorry, Phil Michael. Phil Collins' Col- little brother. Fucking crazy. No, Michael just... Uh, <laughs> Mike Collins made a... Uh, I think it was a... He wrote a book, and he was recently interviewed, and he said that it was so peaceful being up there, but he was very worried about the guys who were down on the planet's surface because evidently... Every single day of the mission, a ton of stuff went wrong. Oh, my God. Both of you. And they had to correct it in real time. Uh It was like a heroic event. Yeah. I just want to know more about those things. And now there's like some new movies. I don't know. Did you guys see First First Man? First Man. That was great. I I almost watched it again last night just to see that like five minutes of when Neil Armstrong was trying to actually find a flat place to set the lunar lander because they had like used telescopes to look at the moon, but they couldn't see that there were like six foot tall boulders all over this field where he was supposed to land. And he had to pull it until there was like a percent of fuel left in the lunar module he was literally gonna crash that thing in a matter of seconds that would have been probably bad for the return back to the the orbital that would uh, have been it mike collins would have come back alone then they never would have made that movie and we wouldn't have condition was too hot in there it would have changed the entire course of mankind it would not have yes you know there would all the technology already existed not the ones that the technology they were yet to discover like it wouldn't have stopped the program. Solar panels. It wouldn't. Solar panels we have today are because of the progression of the space program. Do you know what else? Non, non-stick pa- non-stick. Uh, okay, so the first two Teflon. men, Teflon. the first Teflon. two men to sort of let's call it land poorly on the moon, and that would have been it. They would have just ended the mission. We wouldn't have even gotten. They so we wouldn't have, have gotten Apollo thirteen, which within, was a total cluster. <laughs> within within five years. Uh huh. All of the United States government, the Congress, the president, everybody was like, oh, space exploration is too expensive. We can't justify it. And the reality is, do you know how much it cost each American? I can't give you an exact figure, but like around 1969 to put those two guys on the moon, send three people to circle the moon. How much did that cost each American? Plus, are we talking plus interest now in today's dollars? Are we talking about back then? This is what it cost. Uh, I'm going to say... $3,200. $3,200. Per Th- person. Per yes. person, okay. $3 per person. It's between those two. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> $16 per American. I was way closer to you. To put those guys on the moon. 
would you pay another sixteen dollars to go to the moon? No. Would you pay an adjusted sixteen dollars uh, interest adjusted now? amount now? It'd yeah, you'll be figure fifty or hundred bucks. Something so like that. well, I would pay that in a heartbeat. I'd pay it for a bunch of people who couldn't pay it. So you know what we got from this? Safer airplanes, Velcro. Then, we got Velcro. The seats on your airplane don't burn and burn you up when the plane crashes because they used to. Yeah, they used to use because that's really they used been, to use, the, <laughs> been the difference in airplane crashes. I've been worried about that as a how about maybe we'll be able to find it. some of those. How seats? about less flammable building insulation? Huge change. How Le- about less flammable? How about Not, something closer to our heart? Okay. Heart monitors. <gasps> the monitor elements that they, you know, the, the stick-on heart monitors that uh-huh. they used for uh, the spacemen to uh-huh. watch them all through that six-day journey. So that, like that a came... halter-type monitor? Is that what we're talking about? No, the actual stick on your chest before like that. Like ECG-type situation? Yeah, before is that, that they about? used to use these suction cups. And you used to put a gel, like an ultrasound gel on the, on the chest. Yeah, I remember those. They had these orange bulb suction cups that would suck old. onto the... Skin, and that's how you would get an EKG or a monitor. Did it work? Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for a few minutes. So the moon gave us stickers? <laughs> Stick yeah. on the it? skin. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, no this one is, would have come up with that otherwise. This is big. Yeah, no, we're no. celebrating. And 50th I just say, anniversary. And we beat the Rushkies. Come on. You can't put a dollar man on that. We beat the Rushkies, huh? Huh? Oh. You with me, comrade? Huh? Are you are you speaking in as an as an Australian <laughs> or as an American? Yeah. We. Where were you in 1969? So I was watching it on TV. Where were you? And I other... was like three months entirely old. I was watching it on TV, and I remember you that's were? how big it how was. How old were you? Four or five. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was eighty-eight years old. Then. I remember watching. I was, I was prone on the floor with my hands in my. My head in my hands, watching the old Zenith black and white set. Yep. Zenith. It was amazing. I can't remember. It was my dad and my grandfather was there. And just like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this Were is you happening. huddled around the, the village TV? Yeah, me and a couple of kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, we're there. A couple of emus just hanging out. They, had, a, they right? had a construct out of like, you know, tubers and antenna so that they could receive. <laughs> you know, Australia didn't get TV much before that. I can't remember what, when it got. What, but you guys got ask. the TV quick. Hey, uh, Siri. She's hey, not going to know. She's not going to know. Hey, Google's not in we here. We don't have Google in here. We're no. working in a new studio. Hey, because Siri. There's construction happening. When did happening. Australia get TV? Oh, God. Like I 1954. In 1997, Australia had about 10.2 million television receivers. That's not what I asked. That's super helpful. That's not Thank at all. Thank you. I, I say like 1954. I'd like to take your question and turn it into a piece of information that no one gives a crap hey, about. Hey, Siri. <laughs> What year? Shut up. I'm going to ask this question. It's very important. (laughs) Hey, Siri, what year did Australia originally get television? (laughs) I found this on the web. Oh, you useless piece of crap. Oh, you are just useless. (laughs) Hey, Siri, can you call Google for us? (laughs) Hey, Siri, ask Google. When did broadcast television come to Australia? Can you tell your bosses to hire some mother effers that work at Google to fix you? Why are you so bad, Siri? You know what the moon landing didn't give us? Siri. (laughs) Thank God. All right. It All is right, the so 50th anniversary week of the moon landing. And if you're not impressed and excited by it, then you're dead to me. And you know what Elon has said a lot about this? Mm-mm. We oh, think. There it is. 
God. There it is. He's us. like, he's on me. Wait, hold on a second. You're actually having a different show than the two of us today. Let me just read from Wikipedia. Go, go. Australian television was launched in 1956. Thank you very much. You See, were I like, told you, you were like it? 11. <laughs> 56. Wow. I was just a soul floating through the universe waiting for a sperm and an egg to come together, and then I would magically uh, have a, a, a soul body. floating through the universe. You lived in your father's balls in 1956. <laughs> you can't take that from Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman, you get all the credit in the world for that one. That's so great. That, it is amazing. <laughs> I tried to find that. That was like a that was like like five shows ago we did that. Oh and I, I still can't find it. It's so fact, funny. Half of you lived in your dad's balls, and the other half of you lived in your mom's uterus. Weird. You weren't a soul floating around the galaxy waiting just, to come together. Just to avoid letters, let's say ovary. Ovary, yes. Yeah, we need to be keep oh, this medical. So sorry. Okay. Yes. So there you go. Um where were we? <laughs> uh, welcome landing. to Talking Tesla oh, number 155, the regular show. The I regular. was going to say this, that Elon said the moon missions are an example of the fact that exploration and technology does not inevitably advance. We haven't been back to the moon in nearly 50 years. We but, haven't been doing this stuff. We should have had you know, colonies there. We should have been mining asteroids. We should do all this stuff. But it requires that the people... Tell the politicians, yeah, we want to keep doing this. Otherwise, it'll just get stalled. We haven't built a rocket as big as Saturn V since Saturn V. We had Cold Wars to fight. We had ICBMs to build. We had uh, other things to do. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We Fine. had societies to build because we had... Countries to invade we, for no particular well, reason. We had equality to discover, right? We had all kinds of things that, that we had. Oh, well, we could still we do that with scientists focusing on the stars. Yeah, but those scientists, they all went into like climate Isn't change. Isn't it sad that the people that are most involved in exploration and space now are private companies? Isn't this a dystopian reality it is, in but, every science fiction book? I guess the other question is, is like, like, how would you like that to have been done? Would you like just the United States to have continued on that no. path and been colonies or or work together work with the together, other space faring nations? Well, name the other space faring nations. Like well, the European Space Agency, okay. which is a conglomeration China, of Russia. Large, China, yeah, I don't know if you guys know India, this. Like historically, Japan. China and Russia, we weren't super pally with those guys for. We should work together. We should time. work for the good right, of the world. That's what I'm saying. Is like right. the, the big space faring nations. Right, we just weren't super pally with, and the European Space Agency—they have fifty countries to forty countries to sort of have to deal with and get their funding from. So yeah, it's, it's complicated, like right? It is, but I think that the reason that SpaceX and now we're transitioning has got such a great path is that Elon and the crew have worked out a way to pay for so much of this. They can't do it all. They still need NASA and the European Space Agency and these other foreign uh, entities to contribute to the how do you build on these uh, inhospitable worlds? How do you mm -hmm. stay safe? How do you manufacture? How do you all these things feed people, keep them safe? But with Starlink... If that's continuing to go and we're all going to link into it because we need, you know, seven millisecond faster internet connection, mm. uh, we'll pay for it and they'll pay for Mars. Okay. Speaking of Mars, what about Neuralink? <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like the mother of all segues. <laughs> wow, so good. Very though. nicely Did done. Like that? This was the week of Neuralink. Did you all watch it? Did you see it? Did I you watched listen it. to it? I'm not a smart man. No. 
no, watched it that. for a few minutes, and then I thought, well, Robert's going to watch this, <laughs> and he's going to take notes, and he's going to disseminate it into something that I can understand. And you know what? Turns out he did. You're a genius. <laughs> for a, not a smart guy, you're a bit of a genius. So tell us about the summary and the uh, most important aspects of this Neuralink thing. I do have a question, though, before you start. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do we want to answer the why the hell this is important up front, or do we want to talk about it and then figure out why it's important? Because I'm still not clear on that aspect oh, of it. Well, I can tell you. Let me just say it's important. on on the night of the Neuralink presentation, which was Tuesday, the most important thing to me was that it didn't start on time. <laughs> what is? What are we going to do? With I had you? a shift the next morning. I had to be up at four a.m. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to start at 8. So I took a little nap. Mm-hmm. I fired it up at 8. And it said, we'll be beginning shortly. And it said that for like over an hour. Mm-hmm. And I just almost died. I ended up watching a part of it. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm going to kill myself. Oh, and so well, I opened That's a little up, excessive, right? Well, if I'm only working on four hours of sleep or something crazy you like know, that. You're going to kill yourself. It's going to be kill bad. Other <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kill other people. How about, how about a little thought for patient care there at that point? You could watch that shit later. Well, I am dedicated to talking Tesla Nation. Thank you. And you both. Thank yeah, you. Well, you, thank goodness one of us has to be. And so, speaking of patience, okay. where the rubber hits the road on this okay. exactly is how to connect a brain that is not connected to something it needs to be connected to. For example, mm-hmm. someone has a terrible accident, okay. a car accident, because they weren't in a Model 3 or an S or an X, <laughs> and they end up with a C-spine, a cervical spine injury okay and their cervical spine gets damaged yeah. so that the brain can no longer send signals down to let's say the diaphragm okay that's a big muscle that big sits deal. under your lungs mm-hmm. without it you can't breathe very well no breath you no can kind of breathe but not very well and you're probably not going to live very long but imagine finding that spot in the brain we know where it is that triggers the diaphragm to work mm-hmm. sometimes it's got to go a little faster like if you're running We'll talk about that in a minute. Or you get excited. Mm-hmm. It's got to go a little faster. If you could tap into that part of the brain with a little tiny electrode that senses the neurons firing and then bridge that over the broken part of your spinal cord mm-hmm. and send a signal down to that muscle, you could breathe. Breathe effectively. So there's a two-part thing to this. There's the things that they're putting into your brain, the little threads, we'll call them for now, because sure. that's kind of what they are. And then there's a, there's a physical bridge that would... Bridge the gap of the spine, the the, the spinal cord, or yeah, theoretically, you could do that because that it's all just talking a, like, about. They were talking about in broad strokes. Okay, what could be done? Right. The example they gave was Parkinson's, which is a movement disorder. Yeah, people have this shuffling gait and they tremor all over the place. They can't mm-hmm. speak very well. Muhammad Ali, probably the most famous sufferer. Yes. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Is that his name? No. It Michael, was the guy from that Michael sh- J. Fox. Michael, Michael J. J. Fox, who yes. played Michael Keaton on the TV show. Oh, there you go. There's a connection. There wow. you go. Yeah. Six degrees That's of separation. Pulling it Michael out Keaton. of your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Parkinson's, sixty thousand new diagnoses a year in the United States. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's the fastest growing source of disability. Due to neurologic. But that's less a bridge situation than just a re-monitoring a kind Right. Of it's a different, right? a different way to use uh, 
Same, sensing technology. the brain and stimulating the brain. Okay. We had the spinal cord injuries, which I said there's about 12,000 people annually who suffer from- up- That's in the US only, so that's right. there's more than that internationally. It's just hard to get this, these numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. But other that, things those like numbers. obsessive compulsive disorder, where you've got part of the brain what? that's firing all the time. What? You could use some of that. I could so use could I. that. Potential nice. therapies include depression, chronic pain. In fact, chronic pain. People wear nerve stimulators already mm-hmm. to help turn down the signal of chronic pain. Parkinson's patients have a stimulator implanted already into the brain, deep in the brain. And I've seen patients, and it is, it is like... Beyond a miracle, it's like magical to watch these patients and they come into the emergency room and I'm talking to them and they're moving, but they're not, you know, swift. They're certainly not going to be playing Rachmaninoff on the piano. But all of a sudden, we need for some reason to remove their stimulator device and their body just goes ballistic. It's like they're moving and they can't control themselves and it would be exhausting to suffer that way. But already now, people have been getting brain implant with a huge comparatively huge electrode yeah. for parkinson's disease All right, so, let's, so let's these get are to just the, some of the things let's get to the rubber of what these guys are proposing or working on or thinking about they have made the smallest electrode strips or probes that can go deep in the brain they can sense at very many levels this is something that's never been done before they can have these tiny electrodes produced by the thousands on one single chip with processing on this one little chip which sits in a little indentation in your skull Mm -hmm. covered up by a little bit of cement and these implanted uh, little computers can then all be linked and sent to a uh, under the skin device that sits behind the ear and on top of it fits a little magnetically attached like Bluetooth device that connects to your phone. Most of the processing is done actually on the chips, which they explained in this exhaustively detailed presentation. And there's a white paper, which I put the link to in the show notes. With which is cool pictures. Really cool pictures. I mean, I've got a picture here of, a, I don't know how many, hundreds of these little tiny strips that are going deep into the brain that are the actual sensors and transmitters. And this is the, a mouse brain. And there's like an external, right now, it's like got an external kind of USB port for them to kind of interface, but they're hoping to make that wireless at some point. That's correct. And then, yeah, high five. So I've got a spinal cord injury and I've got this Neuralink thing and it's uh, uh, attaching from my brain. And then there's another component down to my uh, spinal cord. And I go onto my iPhone, I'm like, uh, run. 10 miles now. Click. And off my legs like, go. That seems like it may down just left, be a bridge right. too far. Like the I think run that the thing, phone right? is being used as a in- integrative training device. Like you shouldn't have to instruct your body to run. Right. You should just think, run. But the phone is being used as a way because we can't actually tap into the neuron that makes your left pinky flex or extend or feel a heat or pressure. We don't have that kind of accuracy, at least not yet. So there's going to be a great deal of learning involved where if you have this stuff implanted, you're going to have to train yourself to be able to use the system. And the phone is sort of like this um, AI of sorts to do that. But of course, Elon's goal 
in all of this mm-hmm. is to link us as super intelligent humans right. to the computer worldwide net and processing. So am I confused? It was Neuralink not originally like his AI company? Or yes. Is yes. It some, so is this, how does this fit into Ultimately, AI? He's, when he first talked about this, these things seem like they are the secondary benefits. What he really was talking about is that AI is going to get smarter. Computers are going to take over. Human beings will be the second uh, most intelligent species on the planet. We have to have a way to keep Keep up, so therefore we have to wa- have a way to augment our slow brains by doing this, by being able to attach ourselves to a computer, so that Tom can go. I need an upgrade on my processor. I need a new i9 chip because I mm-hmm. can't keep up with Robert because he's got the new i9. Mm-hmm. And if I can't keep up with Robert, then uh, he's going to beat me in whatever games just you're think playing. Of the but, but originally, wasn't it sort of? And forgive me if I'm just misunderstanding this. Originally, he started this because he was like, we want AI to be sort of open source and available and not be locked into one particular That's company or AI. one. Is this different than this? Yes. Yeah. It's linked. But is it the same company? No. no. So OpenAI. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for my confusion. But OpenAI is up. his attempt to say the other problem with AI is if somebody gets too far ahead, if the Chinese get too far ahead, they'll be able to close down all of the power plants and the cars right. and everything and the rest of mm-hmm. them. They'll say, you all now answer to us. And so companies and governments are all trying to get this AI as smart as they can. OpenAI is like, that's not fair to the individuals or the smaller companies or the smaller mm-hmm. countries that can't keep up. So he's got this consortium of people to... Make AI really fast and then give it away, basically. Right. So okay. we can all stay at about the same Two playing field. Two different mid companies. Right. But AI itself, but a- as a concept, is going to get smarter than humans. So how do we keep the humans to keep up with the computers? Mm-hmm. There is a lot of cross-pollination, though, that takes okay. place. Because, obviously, Tesla, the car company, is using all of these AI principles to work on creating a smart driving car computer mm-hmm. that can figure out all kinds of things and you wouldn't be able to do that without a lot of the expertise that comes from open ai and then Neuralink even uses some of those concepts about Uh how to calculate thoughts and how to process communications so in in like the big grand scheme of things what combining what mel just said about us getting computers attached to us, Neuralink could be the interface between us and whatever that AI is to get it into our brain. So we could kind of offload, let's call it some of our lesser computations to it. So we could think about higher level things and not have to worry about like doing math in my head or like for you guys on shifts, like figuring out, remembering dosages, right? You would just like access the algorithm or or the information, right? um Hey, Siri, what's the price of Tesla today? But she can't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Tesla traded up 1.83% last Friday. Working. To put on speaker. It's been fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> good radio. Even she when did, we get her to work, she doesn't she work. She did work. <laughs> and she did tell me something useful. Okay. Same thing for like temperature, you know, wanting to know the temperature, the forecast. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to quickly access that and have that downloaded to us mm-hmm. would be quite impressive. In fact, somebody said in the Q&A after the presentation, mm-hmm. this is going to be so expensive, it's crazy. I didn't actually hear exactly what they said because they weren't miked. Uh-huh. But the the response was this was from uh, from Elon. He said that once super intelligence can be linked to your brain by Neuralink, it's likely you can then pay back the loan you took out for the procedure 
quite easily. Just by doing like <laughs> by things. Stealing. Just but, by, but, but, like the bank tests. saying, but so, oh yeah, we'll give you a raise because now you can do the work for seven right. people. But let, let's look at it from this particular situation. So like, let's say you've got this Neuralink thing attached to you. Would that mean that theoretically, if it was some sort of electronic interface, you could almost have your cell phone, for instance, like built into your head where you could just think, text Paul this, and that would take care of that, where you would just be like, think, call a person, and then that phone call could happen internally? Yes. And telepathic communication. So instead of us sitting here and talking, we could just be... <laughs> we could have like an hour and a half of silence, silence. on our podcast. But people would let's know try that. I'm just let's, like this. Let's so try great. that now. No, no, that's, that's bad radio. I like, so I, that's kind of There's cool. a lot of sci-fis and stuff about yeah. this. Uh, that have been written uh, over the years in movies. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like uh, The Matrix. I would like to learn karate. That'll take me 20 years to become a karate master, but not now with Neuralink. That's right. I now know karate. But it would be cool because you could download, say, Japanese and then fly to Japan and learn how exactly. to be able to... Or to... how Trinity flew the Bell Huey helicopter in you The Matrix. stop talking just... about Matrix? I oh, love that movie. It's the greatest movie. movie ever. It's one of the best movies I've you know ever seen. You know Keanu's in that seen. movie, right? Yes, yeah, greatest so actor that... ever. Just has such range. <laughs> so incredible. Yeah, okay. I mean... Okay. I'm going to go watch it you. after this. I love you, Keanu. Have you seen him in John Wick? Yeah, he's good in those. Yeah, such range. <laughs> and and further, you know, we talked about a lot of people talk about Elon and Tesla and SpaceX. And the feedback that I get a lot of the time is, would you please stop talking about all this stuff? Can we just please take care of the people who are here now? Can we please feed the hungry people? Can no, what the hell is going on over there? I can't take it anymore. Sticky. Our uh, coasters are not working correctly. Actually, they're Mel's coasters, so it's all Mel's fault. Thank you. Whatever. And so... Go on. And their the, brains, too, which is they could use neural links. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are brain images printed on the coasters just to bring everybody in on this. And so, again, I've fielded many an upset person telling me about, you know, you and your bougie car and the SpaceX stuff and who the hell needs to go to Mars? Why can't we take care of the people here on Earth? Why can't we feed the people, improve the health care, etc.? Ad nauseum. And I'm in this the room. is exactly <laughs> this is exactly it. Here we have some way to take someone who, number one, is suffering from a spinal cord injury, intractable epilepsy, right? Mm -hmm. Not even the medicines can help stop it. And the medicines have terrible side effects. That's what many of the patients tell me. Yeah. But we can give them a fix. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that it's done, obviously. It's not right. been trialed in humans, not until next year at least, and that's kind of a little golden, rosy mm -hmm. expectation. Yeah. But this is really going to help people. And do you have any sense, listeners, of how expensive it is for the families and for society to take care of people who are chronically debilitated from many of these diseases. It's a huge expense. And what would be the expense of developing this procedure and implanting it? I don't know. I don't either, but I have a feeling that they're both going to be expensive. Is this so company public and funded by or completely funded by Elon? It's private right now, I think. The other thing that's amazing is, you know, you talked about all those filaments. You talked about it on the chip. Then they have to get these filaments in. So they have a robot. And yeah. this robot shoves these filaments into your brain so that they, and these are things that are tiny, like we're almost like axone small. Yeah, a tenth they, of a hair width. And they can put them into your brain with, and miss the blood vessels and stick them proximate to the uh, actions, the 
axons that they want. They can send an impulse to those actions, action, axons. Sorry, didn't go to med school much. And they can receive signals from them. It's kind of bizarre. Okay, so I... I and how do they do they do this through the skull? Do they have to take they the take skull off? They take a little off? hole, and then they put the robot on. The robot sticks these things in. But that only gives them access to like one small part of your head, your brain. Yeah, if you want multiple of these, you can have multiple holes in your. They could like make a best it spot. ten holes, twelve holes. The whole system only has a certain. <laughs> the whole system. The whole uh, <laughs> whole, whole system has only a specific number of uh, channels that they can follow. But they're talking about like ten thousand or more of these filaments. So that's like 10 holes. They make a two millimeter cut in the skull. They stretch it to eight millimeter. They bore a hole through the skull. They use the robot like sewing machine to zap in different directions. All these little things. There's a, there's a video make, of it. Being sure to miss vasculature. I saw yes, that. And yes. when all of the little filaments are in place, they're already attached to this little plug that they basically just plug mm-hmm. the hole with. Mm-hmm. And then the skin goes back over it. A little bit of dermabond, skin glue, done. And the plan is for this to be done like LASIK, the eye surgery, mm-hmm. where you don't even need, theoretically, a doctor, a neurosurgeon to do it. It can just be done as a procedure by technicians. Like in a mini mall in Sun Valley. Because it's the brain itself doesn't have pain receptors. <laughs> so you can shove this in and you don't get any pain. That's amazing. Uh, a Thanks, mini Robert. mall in Sun Valley. <laughs> I'm going to get my nails done and a couple more neural link yeah, implants. Sure, a couple more. I'll, I'll see get you some for updates. dinner, Tom. Yeah. I want to learn how to beat your ass at chess. I want to learn that. (laughs) So theoretically, how many of these? Like, let's say you just were uh, like a normal functioning human being, not like any of us in this room, right? (laughs) Like a normal functioning human being, and you wanted to just be a little better at, say, cooking or a language or a skill. You get the yeah Neuralink one package, right? You can just get a few of them thrown in there. Yeah, I don't. We're gonna change the price on it every other day. We'll get to that. We'll get to. Yeah, this is the early, 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 early stages. Who knows where this goes in ten years, twenty years, fifty years, hundred years? But you could see. Uh, again, like science fiction, at some point, you don't need your body anymore because now you've got a mechanized body and then you've got your brain that's attached to a neural link. And then uh, there's this fusion of human and machine, which seems like if we don't destroy ourselves is inevitable. And then, well, I want to fly to the distant parts of the universe, but my biological body can't do that. So I just take Neuralink and I upload my entire self and my consciousness into a computer. The singularity. Yeah. Then then there's the question of like, what is yourself, right? Is it the physical vessel or is it just oh gosh, your I hope not. Yeah, they got into some of this. <laughs> they got into some of this philosophy. One of the guys who's the um, Philip Sabies, also known as Flip, he's their like neuroscience leader mm-hmm. uh, from UCSF. He's an interesting fellow. I would like to go have dinner with him. Anyway, he sort of talked a little bit about the the philosoph- philosophical side of all of this, and that's like a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So this week in philosophy <laughs> and brain uploading. I do. I Looking back at your notes, I like this list. You got seizures and epilepsy. That's a big deal. You got Parkinson's, big deal. Spinal cord injuries, depression, chronic pain, stroke, ALS, and then you have tinnitus. <laughs> that drives a lot of people crazy. It <laughs> I does. Hear you, but like, if you look at it, like, what of these things do not belong here on this well, list? But tinnitus or ringing of the ears. Oh, sorry, I mispronounced is, well, it, Doctor Man. I, I no, it's time, fine. Just call me it out. It depends it's fine. if you're Don't worry English or not. And, I'm not. And so, um, 
that is in there because it's an easy thing. You know exactly where the signals for your ears are in your brain. And if you can stimulate an overstimulated neuron into going asleep, you can get rid of the tinnitus. Bzzz. And so, yeah. It's That'd like cool. what you guys complain about all the time when we're in the studio. There's a buzz. You? There's a buzzing. There's a buzz. <laughs> oh, what is the this? There's a yeah, buzz. Not you. No, the buzzing. Sorry. So we'd have to turn off your tinnitus suppression okay. when we're recording okay. so that we wouldn't be recording with a right. in the so, background. So exciting stuff happening Which, in the whole Neuralink visionary world. I think we really nailed it today. We're like talking about it. I think we covered the, all of it. I did, I think. We, yeah. so, we like sewed it up. <laughs> you know, the other, some of the other things you could do theoretically with this type of technology is give people back sight. So you've had some disease or mm -hmm. your optic nerve has been cut. Back sight? Like looking at your ass all the time? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with no, them. No, your eyesight. Yeah. Uh, just give like them your back. Vision, give their them back. eyesight. Oh, return their eyesight. So, so let me ask you this question then in terms of that. So let's say you've lost, I don't know, like how, what does that happen? It's, a, it's an optic nerve issue. It's a cones issue. What is the issue? Would they have to put a camera that would then... Give they would you that same some light thing? sensing thing that they could put in your uh, in your eye socket, and that would be your eyeball. Okay, so they and would then like... they would link it to your optic area of your brain, which is in the back area of your brain. Okay, and then you'd be able to see again. So it would be some sort of camera. It wouldn't necessarily be restoring. Like Have it... you seen the Terminator? That'd be cool, but then it's like, all I get to see is whether or not I'm an enemy, not an enemy, whether or not that shirt fits before I have to put it on, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> that seems like a waste of technology. Like, well, that's a medium. I can throw that on. Well, think about the cochlear implant, which is widely distributed, what? being used all over the world. What? Cochlear implants. Will so you not? Deaf, what? There are oh, people so who are either born deaf or they become deaf because of an antibiotic or some sort Listening of a situation. To this show. <laughs> <laughs> they choose they choose to be deaf so they don't have to deaf. hear us. <laughs> and so there you can now have a implant. It goes on behind your ear, uh -huh. much like the Neuralink plan. Okay. And it's a little device that then goes in and stimulates the ear nerve so that you can Oh my God, I hear something. That's because there's a nerve or a group of nerves being stimulated. You put this thing in, then you clamp on the outside a microphone mm -hmm. and the stories of people. And there's a couple of, uh, like there's a hidden brain, I think, or a couple of other podcasts mm -hmm. where they follow people who have been deaf and they, they talk unusually. They sign. I used to work at the Deaf Study Center, in fact, and- these folks have lived years they or their whole life, and then all of a sudden they can hear. And it is like, it brings, if it doesn't bring tears to your eyes, it you're should. dead inside. Yeah. It's amazing to see these folks and hear from them what life was like before and after. Like music, yeah. a cochlear implant, much like right. Neuralink. And be able to do that with sight and sound is like pretty phenomenal. Crazy. Yeah. So good luck to those guys working on this stuff. You yeah, think so, they're doing, you're making the good progress? Is that what we're feeling? We're feeling well, you know what was interesting this? is the main thing that they said was this was not necessarily for you, Tom, or you, Mel. You looked at us oppositely. <laughs> that was weird. Like you didn't know which one of us was which there. It was not for Talking Tesla Nation that they put on this show. It was all to hire smart people to join the team. You're saying they're not, they're not saying, looking for me? You know, they don't need my help? I thought, you know, wow. This is so inspiring. Maybe I could go work there. And then I looked at the list of people that they need. And uh, emergency doctor or podcast mouthpiece 
mm-hmm. um, wasn't on. Maybe the list. you could just like be like the the company nurse, like in the in the room. Can I put a bandaid on that scratch? <laughs> Can I dermabond the I opening? I mean, there might be like I'd like brain. to have somebody on hand when they started drilling holes in people's bodies. Well, they do. Brains, they have Matt right? McDougal, who's oh, a Matt. Neur- neurosurgeon from California Pacific Medical Center. Good for Matt. He didn't get a single question in the Q and A. I felt no. bad for him. Uh, said. So cool stuff. Thanks, Robert, for putting that together. Appreciate Coop. it. My Neuralink is telling me that uh, the Model 3 won uh, Europe's highest safety rating. Woo! Five stars. But you already know that because you've got a Neuralink. And actually, you know everything else we're going to talk about. And actually, you have every, all the pieces of knowledge on the internet. All right, so thanks for listening. there's really no point in talking anymore. Yeah, just nobody leave. needs, they just want to hear us laugh at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but once we go telepathic, that's not going to happen either. So, uh... Model 3 uh, got uh, tested for safety here in the United States. Safest car ever tested by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Now the Europeans... I I love listening to you struggle with that on Elon Daily. Do you like that? (laughs) (laughs) How many different things you've called that? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Safety thing. And uh, Europe, they just did it as well. Safest car yet again in Europe. It's good to know that there is some... Uh, consistency between these testing agencies that they're actually not just making it up, that they actually all find that car to be super safe. Do they do that three-quarter offset? That is the one that the insurance um, companies of safety insurance groupies Mm -hmm. of America does a different one. And that's where the Model S and X weren't um, as good because of that sideway bendy one. But then they changed the Model S and S in some way to get a better score on that. So I don't think they've done that one yet. That seems to occur like years after the cars have been driving around. But they're safe cars. That's the important thing. They do smash it like crazy from the side, though, those Europeans. It's so upsetting to watch those. You've got a perfectly beautiful car, and then they just destroy it. It's it's (laughs) upsetting to me. And then there's the the dummy that's in there, and he's getting flopped around. His head's getting (laughs) smashed. And it's like, yeah. Well, Put some Neuralink in here and see what I that know. dummy's thinking. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. One day that dummy's going to get up and he's like, I'm hiding the knob. <laughs> Why is the dummy <laughs> Arnold? Why is the dummy Arnold? Oh, now. I get it. Now, now I, I'm, I'm always like, over. so are you saying I the Terminator Neuralink. is like a Neuralink kind of situation? I Neuralink. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds evil. Hey, guess what? No. You know, uh, what day is it today, Tom? It's uh, July, Sunday, July 21, 2019. And you know what that means, right? Uh, the price of the cars probably changed. Today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and when I say change, that means it could have gone up or it could have gone, gone down. We have yeah. no idea. So this is a story that is uh, basically a Yahoo. I found it on Yahoo Finance, but it was really written by Adam Weinberg from The Motley Fool. And it's basically Tesla cuts prices again. And it's not good news. Or is it good news? Do I don't we know. know. What do you guys feel about this? But anyways, let's talk about it. So it, in this article, it said they have an increased order backlog of last year. But the, my question is, if they have this increased order backlog, why are there so many inventory cars for sale? That doesn't make any sense. Does it make any sense to you, gentlemen? This is – well, there's two things going on here. We have to pass this out. One is, mm-hmm. why do they keep – taking the price up and down and up and down and looking like fools. And Elon has said, car companies do this all the time yes. with rebates and stuff, and this happens yes. all the time. But Zero I percent financing. 
don't, I mean, that's fine. They if do all that. But if you want to buy a makes... truck, go see Cal. But he sold the used cars. We're going to give we're going to give you a horse with your car. It we're going to give you flowers no with your car. Sense. Right, but it, there appears to be no car. logic. It ticks people off. For example, one of the things they do now is right before the tax credit goes away, they go, "You better buy a car. You better buy a car. The tax credit's going down. Mm-hmm. People buy their cars, and then to make sure demand continues after that yeah. reduction in the tax credit, they drop the price. Yeah. And so the people who bought the car two days mm-hmm. before are like. Holy hell, and this happened last time. They dropped the price by $6,000. This guy bought it because the tax credit was going down a little bit. He's like, I would have been better off waiting two days and getting it at the new price. And, what are you doing to me, Tesla? And this is a repeat Tesla buyer who was talked – this is in this article. He was talked into buying this car before the tax credit fell it to 1875 right at the at the mo- moment that it was already at half. And this was just a few days ago, July 1st, and then the next – like 6000 bucks the next week after the tax thing went – like you can't do this to people and it used to be very consistent this is the price of a tesla it's the best car we're done it's fine and so therefore i think this is totally driven by um demand and the reduction in the uh, incentives and so when they say oh demand's fantastic we can't possibly yeah. uh, do enough and blah and i think that is horse hucky pucks right because why would they totally lower the price if the demand was up and so in this article they talk about the entry level model s price is about five thousand dollars higher in the u.s today than it was a week ago you know according when this article was written and the increase was about four thousand for the model x and ludicrous mode if you bought the high performance package ludicrous mode's now free dude that's tw- that was twenty thousand dollars so what do you what do you say like when the value of your car drops $20,000 overnight. That is an amazing amount of depreciation. That's just not cool. And the other thing about all this is, so on one hand, Tesla's like, we're not like all the other car companies. We don't have this dealer model. We're doing this differently. We're doing everything differently. But then they... Go back to, well, all car companies change the prices all of it. So which is it? Like Apple's not constantly changing the price of its laptop. Do you, do you like your Model 3, Tom? Yeah, I, do, I love it. Hey, Mel, do you like your Model X, S, and 3? Uh, yeah, and this is going to be one of those true, true, and unrelated. Go on. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the, what's the point that you're trying to get that, at? What difference does that You know, that the make? bottom line is, is they're pumping these cars out. They're trying to convert everybody into driving electric cars. It's working really well where I'm at because I see Model 3s like all the time, all over the place. I understand they make, they could do it better. I understand. But I think they need to do what they need to do. But, but what do you think about this? I'm sorry. Tesla is confusing potential future buyers about what to expect in regards to pricing. So for all the people who are like, I'm diving in full blast, whatever, this is what it is, it is what it is, there's equal or maybe more people who are just like, whoa, I'm not doing that. Because again, we're talking about a fair amount of money and some people, you know, and, and then you hear all this, oh, the car is going to be worth more than it's already worth, but now it's worth less than it's like, it's you're all over the place and it doesn't feel right. I think that's very simple. Confusion does not help your product. Apple is really great at this. They're criticized for it because they have an expensive product, but you know what you're getting yourself in mm-hmm. for. It's not like next year's uh, iPhone is going to be half the price of what it is this year. So I think it needs to stop. It's gone from, uh, that's a bit annoying, that's a bit weird, to mildly ridiculous, to now completely ridiculous. They need to stop it. I think it's doing brand damage. They should stop it and just stay the course. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about what this means in, in real world terms to folks who have done things and bought things. So now... For a long time, black was the inexpensive paint, right? That was right. the cheap paint that they were putting on everything and that wasn't anything. Now it's white. Yes. So now 
the white is not additional, and now you pay another $750 for black. Yes. So, like, what are we to believe about that? Right? What was that the- they like white what better changed? than black? <laughs> like, more, they're selling, like, I definitely, I parked the other day in a parking lot. I was going to dinner. Three white Model 3s in that parking lot. So, I mean, obviously, white maybe is the most popular cover, color, but I see plenty of black ones. But that wasn't supposed to be the point. It wasn't about popularity. It was about more inexpensive process to make paint. Why is it all of a sudden that it's $750? The white interior is $1,000 more now than the black interior. Why? It's a different color. Is it fundamentally different material? I don't know. That's a good question. I think some of it is the material and some of it is the difficulty in running your process, your manufacturing to delivery line Uh when you have a lot of variation in the product. So everybody wants a white car with a black interior, Mm -hmm. if that's like 60% of the people, then let's just have the line running that all the time and do things to disincentivize people from getting a black car with a white interior. I think that's probably it. They just want to pump out as many cars as possible. I mean, the point point of that is is well taken as it pertains to the Apple analogy, right? They're not making a bunch of red laptops and a bunch of like they're not making laptops with although they do they have options and stuff like that it's, it's right. happening but again and then if you think but then you think about it in real world terms about autopilot right autopilot again now it's six thousand dollars for for autopilot and, and i the, i say this and remember this number because this is going to be important by the end of this right which is only that car, Model 3, 512 months a lease without autopilot goes to 591 a month with a three-year lease. So, like, it doesn't feel – that doesn't feel horrible on a month-to-month basis. And you still can buy a very inexpensive version, like the most inexpensive Model 3 you can buy on the website without having to call, 399 a month for a three-year lease or 555 a month for 72 months. That's with no autopilot, 240 miles of range, and rear-wheel drive only. You're talking about full self-driving? I'm talking about, yes. I'm, I'm talking ride. about full Yes, full self-driving right. as opposed to the other thing, right? And and he makes all these assumptions about the pricing, right? Now they have the button on the website. You can turn off the cost, like what you would pay. You can show your estimated savings by clicking a thing. So that, I think, is much more helpful now. I don't know if you guys have noticed that on the website. But you can actually turn off his calculations of how much it is for gas. Right. And see what the actual cost of the car is out the door. The true number you're going to pay. But it, there's a bunch of cars on the website available right now. There's 54 Model 3s within 200 miles of where we are right now that are available for purchase today. Yeah. Fully configured and they range in a lot of different prices. Now, let me ask you, gentlemen, how many of those do you think have full self-driving built into them? Of Every those single 54, one of them. Everyone. It's actually two of what? the 54. The rest what? of them have the, the, the base package. So that tells you that people are not buying it because these are the cars that they're putting off the line that aren't ha- wow. that don't have orders. Isn't that surprising? Well, they're old cars in because they no, said they're that brand they, new cars. But they said they're putting the full. I thought they said they put the full self-driving chip in yeah. the it's, new cars the for the is last in month. It, but it's not the six thousand dollars, right? It's not the activated aspect of. So ah. the chip may be in it, but when you you see the price of it, only two of them have that. So whatever that sales price is for fifty-two of those fifty-four cars plus six thousand for full self-driving capability, that leads me to believe 
that that's not something that most people are buying. Or they're using this as a method to soak you for some more money, get you into the car at whatever, 42000 or 39000 okay. and then come back later and say, hey, would you like to try the autopilot full self-driving? We'll just let you try it for two weeks. This is a perfect example. You use the term soak you, get you into the car and soak you. Why is but it? But it is a cool feature. <sighs> It is worth getting. It's a feature that doesn't work. I don't know what's going to happen with the price of the car. I think it's going to continue to fluctuate until they get their end together. I wish they would just come out and say, sorry, yeah, we're really trying to get this down. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people would be like, okay, yeah, they're at least admitting it. One thing I did say on Elon Dale, I don't know if you've heard it, it's part of the Talking Tesla Network. Such a great show. Almost sometimes, like 90% of the time, it's like got 50% of accurate information in it. So it's pretty nice. The one thing I said on there, which I will stand by... Don't expect the cost of full self-driving to go down. I think from now on, there's only right. one place it's going, up, up, up. It's a question of how far and $30,000. And that is on the website now. So underneath, when you click that $6,000 button for the full self-driving, underneath it, it says, this is likely to continue to increase as more features come online. Yeah. Yeah. So if I've, you've got the cash right now, buy it now because it's going to go seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand. Can I get 10, a 000. call to the listeners to send me six thousand dollars because I really want it. I, I I've had gotten nowhere with my you owe me a two thousand dollar full self driving thing based on Elon. As many of our thing. listeners were saying, Tom is going to get nowhere with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't no, know. I got no, called no. by Ari at Tesla yesterday while I was sitting in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, yeah, you know, you have this reservation that's like, I don't know, what is it now? Three years old? <laughs> at least. <laughs> Two years old? It's got to be more it's than that, It's very old. Right? And I know it's stupid that I still have it, but it kind of gets me these calls, which I get to talk about here. So it's somewhat <laughs> worth it. That is fun. And he said that the $35,400 base Model 3 is still available off menu. It's 35.4, not 35 straight up? No, he said 35.4. And that the, the standard range plus, which includes autopilot, but maybe not full self-driving, maybe but was yeah, 37, sure 37. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about leasing. And I said, really? You can't get it back after the lease? He goes, oh, no, no, no we're, we're not. We're going to keep them. We're keeping, we're keeping them. them. He was very adamant about that. But imagine what that Model 3, like, okay, so we, there's two schools of thought here, right? That Model 3 in three years could be a vastly different car at a vastly different price point, or it could not be available to purchase. And that vastly different price point could be 44 times more than it is currently, according to some of the, the mm-hmm. people in it this room. It could be 200000 Or it could be... $20,000. Like, that's the thing. That's the weird thing about it, right? Initially, when the Model 3 was announced, it was like, a car for everyone. And now it's like, eh, a car for everyone until we figure out how to get them to drive by themselves. And then it's going to be a car for no one. <laughs> that's not happening anymore. That is... Uh... But for a lot of countries, right, where you talked about, like, in in uh, in Africa or poor mm-hmm. places where maybe that's better to, to get sustainable transportation quicker and more involved is that... It is just a Tesla thing, and he can just put as many cars as he wants to on that continent, Yeah, right? well, it's really sad when you look at Africa and how many superchargers, and there's just nothing there. Come on, Elon, help them out. Yeah. i got a question for you, Rob. Oh. Yeah. About uh, referrals. We've been saying your referral name number for all the three weeks of this month. Did you get any? I don't think you've been saying my referral oh, it's, number It's on every all. time on Elon Daily. I put it in there. Robert3177. Robert3177. I haven't heard it. Let's check your app. 
Oh, on the app you're putting it? Uh, no. You're not I'm, speaking it. I'm not speaking it. I should probably oh. speak it. I'm just putting it in the written part. But I want to see your app, how many referrals. So when you say you're putting it in zero. the written part, that means you're putting it in the yeah, details? Yeah, the show, in the notes. It's like Mel talks about full self-driving and this and that, and you should okay. get use Robert's number. Okay. 30, no. Robert 3177. No. I haven't hmm. saved no, that's any upsetting. CO2 Recently, oh, sorry, no, you're, you're in the wrong area. Yeah, go ahead. Hold on a second. Let's yeah, see what's going on. My referrals. Uh, Sean them. ordered one. There, there you go. go. You got one. Thank you, Sean. That's what I wanted to do in uh, May 31st before oh, he started before speaking. Started. It. So it has nothing to do. And with he still hasn't gotten his car. So that leads me to believe he didn't get a Model Three. <laughs> he may have gotten. Hey, Sean, did you order uh, full self-driving? I'm curious about that. I need to shout out to Ken. Thank you, Cody. Thank you. Robert, thank you. Trevor, thank you. And I have two shout outs as well as it pertains to the referral code. That's great. I'm glad you're announcing mine and you guys are both getting all the referrals. <laughs> it's wonderful. Emilio and Christian thank delivered you. 518 and 613. So Christian, he's just been driving around for a few days. Welcome to the family. Yeah, really. And so we're continuing to complain and bemoan how Tesla is doing this wrong and doing but, that wrong. But for the right reasons, Robert. That's okay. the thing. We complain and bemoan about it because it's like we know how much progress they're making, but without these little missteps, these things, this bad news cycle that we continue to get, how much more progress could they have made? Well, they're doing pretty darn good because I've got this graph well, in the notes. I know. Okay. Yes. Tesla, do better. Thank you. You do, however, have... Have you seen that graph? An enormous uh, portion of the EV sales. And this is Tesla's share of U.S. battery electric vehicle market in the... I think it's the United States. But basically, uh, Tesla has like 80% of the market share of the EVs sold in 2018. It is U.S. sales. Says it twice on the graph. Oh, yeah. U.S. battery electric vehicle market mm -hmm. as compared to 2017 when they were only 47%. And back as far back as 2013 when I got my first car, they were only 38%. So this is a, an amazing change. I'm sure it's all due to the Model S. I'm sorry, the Model 3. Three. How dare you? I know. I Just a slip gotta say I again... Um, when you look at all the other electric cars and there are some, there's more coming all the time, which is good. But still, I don't know. Honestly, there's not one of them that I don't think uh, why you would buy it over an S and X or a three. The Bolt. It's cheaper. The Bolt is not much cheaper. The I do Audi. like the form factor, but again, it just comes back to supercharging and safety and longevity of the batteries. And it's just like Tesla is so much better than but, everybody else. But people make decisions based on finances man like and that's also, the end of that's the bottom line with all of this man it's like but that's the thing that, that all of these other ones that are crappy and have half the range and stuff aren't that much cheaper than but they three. work for their usage or they 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 minimize your anxiety so i was talking with somebody just the other day who's going to get and i couldn't talk them out the audi suv Okay. It's like a it's like a hybrid. It gets like fifteen miles all electric. Oh, that's piece of that is just a gas cap. But uh, we love Audi. We've always had Audis. We're gonna get that. Uh -huh. We don't really feel comfortable having a car that just runs on electricity. What if we can't yeah. charge it? I can't get through to these folks. But yeah, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, it doesn't drive anything like a Tesla. Oh yeah, yeah it's true. I drove with my friends or whatever. Somebody's Tesla was amazing, but still they won't jump. 
So it's the reason why the Volt was so instrumental. And so many people who bought the Volt are now in Teslas. But my daughter, again, she's been driving a Volt for three years, right? right? Drove it every day back and forth when she was going to high school. And it was like 98% of her miles were basically electric. She could drive it to school and home without having to charge. And it was a price point that made sense for me to get her into a car. So what would you rather have? That car makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. It's these fully electric cars that have half the range. And it's like, no, if... If you want oh. the Bolt, the Volt, like the, the V mini. makes a lot of sense. Most of the time I'm electric, electric, electric. And then if yeah. I have to go for a drive, I've got the infrastructure and I get the gas. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. These other ones, I uh, just don't know why. Right, like right. the Mini. But the Bolt the makes mini, sense. The 112-mile range. Right. Well, that's a great car. But Not. The bo- but the Bolt makes sense at 230-ish, right? Like, well, and fast the only... charging capability, although not super fast and not a great network. There was but a great it... article by a guy uh, who went with his buddy, and they drove to Vegas and back, one on a Model 3, uh-huh. one on a Bolt. The Bolt took so much longer because the infrastructure yeah. for his fast yeah, charging yeah, yeah. between here and Vegas, and this is some of the best infrastructure around, yeah. it's just nowhere near as good as the right. supercharger network. But that's not the car's fault. It is the car. You cannot dis... Ambiguate is that the word? Disarticulate the car One of those and, the, two are right. and the car and the infrastructure. Those two to go together. They, it's the same thing. It's true, but I guess if you need a car just to drive around town, and that's mm-hmm. all you're ever going to do. Yeah. Then a much cheaper car. Then I would say go buy yourself a Leaf because you can buy those things for about five grand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's you know a very serviceable commuter vehicle. Again, I think they all work. They all need to be part of the solution to get us – because, again, we are at a crisis point, right? Yep. Yep. That as much fossil fuel as we can keep in the ground and not use – we got all kinds of issues happening in the the Persian Gulf right now, right? Let's talk about heat index on the East Coast. Exactly. So bad for some of my friends who are back East. So all of them – anything that works for you, buy it. Yeah. Right? Like if it works for you, if it works for your system, you can afford it and you're using 90% less fossil fuels, then please feel free to go ahead. You know, we talked about all of these issues about Tesla and pricing and mm-hmm. and consistency and such. I wonder how buyers in China feel about Tesla consistencies and if that's affecting their desire to buy the Model 3 because soon it will be there's cu- going to be a lot of Model 3s in China. Yeah, we'll be curious to see if the pricing fluctuations happen as much in China as they're happening in the States once Gigafactory 3 opens. I hope they've learned their lesson. They say that the first Model 3 is going to come off the line in Gigafactory 3 in November. What, 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 what a what, what, great what, Thanksgiving what, present that'll be. It started in January. It yeah. was a mud pit. They build a factory, yes. they put all the stuff in there, and they're going to have cars coming off but by November? But they're not like pure built-in-China cars, right? Like that's not the current – like the first cars off that line will be what they call in the business complete knockdown kits or partial knockdown kits, which means they're mostly assembled, mostly put together here, and then final assembly happens in Shanghai. So they'll send the sleds from Gigafactory 1 – over to China, then they'll have – I don't even know if they're going to have stamping machines up at that point, but they could send body parts and put all of that stuff together and then paint it over there, at least initially. And that's going to be to, again, bypass the taxes and tariffs right. and stuff like that. But as long as they're continuing to move forward to produce more and more of the cars there, right? Uh-huh. We talked about the cost of labor as like one-tenth the cost of labor, and so many of the raw materials that go into the cars already comes from Asia. Right. So that 
Well, I should say there's not that many because actually I think 60% or more comes from just North America. The supply chain is mostly North America, right? But to get uh, the cars made over there Mm -hmm. will only lower the price of the materials and the manufacturing, which will increase the profit margin, which will enable Mm -hmm. the build out of Gigafactory 5 in China. And this is not necessary. You skipped one. I thought four isn't going to be in Europe. Okay. Yeah. So we know Europe and then another one. Going Another back one to China for five. Another one in China. Yeah. Big prediction. You heard it here first. And the knockdown kits. I don't say that as a bad thing. I'm just giving you some reality about the actual factory and where it's going to be. It's not going to be in full, full manufacturing function at that point. But they're still going to be getting cars and other car dealers. Obviously, Toyota makes cars here to avoid the same sort of what what's referred to as the chicken tax. And I put a little link to a Forbes article that's really quite interesting about this chicken tax and where this automotive sort of import tax thing came from that drove all these manufacturers to produce cars in this country has to do with when we had an excessive amount of poultry at one point and we're dishing it off into the European Union, Mm. they got mad and imposed a tariff on us. And as part of some tariff agreements, we could sort of tit for tat it. It's like the original trade war kind of situation. But I thought it was pretty interesting. So Morgan Stanley's team in this article from CNET talked about how the Shanghai facility should be able to produce 35 to 40,000 vehicles in 2020. We don't know how many of those will be the partial knockdowns, but that'll be an interesting thing to figure out. When is the first fully stamped, painted, sledded vehicle coming off those lines? Because we still haven't heard whether or not they're putting a battery line in that factory, have we? We haven't seen evidence of that at this point, right? No, there's some confusion about who they're going to get them from, LG, other people, how many they're going to use. Right. And now got Maxwell there and there's the possibility mm-hmm. that Tesla's going to be making their own batteries. Are they going to ship them to China or are they going to make them in China? Right. A lot of unknowns, but it still has been fast and it's good and I um, want to see a lot of uh, Model 3s in China. And that, that, that Morgan Stanley estimate is about half of what Elon is placing his estimates at. So Elon's saying 50 to 100,000. Morgan Stanley's being a lot more conservative, saying 35 to 40,000 vehicles in 2020. So we'll see kind of whose rubber hits the road as it pertains to that. Do you think that Elon sometimes might overstate what they'll be able to do achieve? Let's see. Does he overstate uh, amounts uh, Let's roll the dice and ask. Let's ask the tea leaves. (laughs) (laughs) They say, yes. So is Elon or is he not a good CEO? We've had this debate. This was... Let's return to the debate. Right? Two weeks... No. A month ago, Tom and I, when we were doing the... Last regular show, uh-huh. we just harped on and on. Maybe I did harped on and on Maybe. about Elon and CEO and tweeting mm-hmm. and leadership and yeah. vision. And, you know, there was like a, it was a down on Elon day. But yeah. the reality is that Elon Musk is currently the auto industry's most tenured CEO. Drop the mic. Which what is pretty that impressive. So he's been in the job the, the longest, longest, right? Of, of, of any CEO of in the automobile all of industry. The tenured CEOs, right? Like he's he and and by if you take out the CEO of Toyota, who's a family member and is like a major controlling stockholder, so he can basically be CEO as long as he wants His to. His name is Toyota. It's like Yes, that his helps. last name. His last name <laughs> is helps. Toyota, right? He has him by a, a, a like a year, but the next CEO he's got by six years. So we're not talking about a little bit. Now, obviously, uh, Tesla's a startup and he's the founder and CEO. So it's a slightly different kind of situation. These are much more mature companies. But there's a in, in this article, which was on Tesla Roddy about, about this, there was a note at the bottom from a guy named Matthias G that sort of, for me, 
talks about a lot of the things that I've talked about in the past, right? So it's like basically the reason all these other CEOs keep getting rolled out is because they're not responding properly to the EV thing. They're slow. They're they're not adopting. They're they're questioning. They're they're hedging their bets, but they have to hedge their bets because of the stockholders, right? So right. it's this sort of chicken and egg kind of situation that we're running into. So he writes, my theory has been that any company controlled by quarterly results can only make great changes when even the last shareholder remaining agrees, which makes a whole lot of sense. If Mercedes had invested massively earlier and their financials had been in the same situation that Tesla has been in, right? That guy would have been fired a really long time ago. It would have been all kinds of issues. So it reflects billions of investments, could reflect billions of investments with no revenue to show for it, while BMW and Volkswagen, Mercedes' biggest you know, uh, competitors, would have not had that burden. And they would have just, the investors would have taken their money out of Mercedes and put it into BMW, put it into Volkswagen, and that would have been a problem. So this is that whole sort of thing about when we're always chasing that last quarter, that next quarter, when CEOs are making decisions based on that sort of thing, they, they're scared to go all in. It's true. And in fact, I just looked up Intelligent Tire. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Automotive IQ. It's a website that does a lot of automobile studies. And they list the top six CEOs in automobile history. Am I one of them? The first one. I doubt it. I bet no, you I'm can not. guess who's the first one. Uh, Ford. Yes, Henry Thank Ford. You. Henry. Henry Ford. The next one was Carlos Ghosn. The Nissan. Nissan, yeah, who's now in jail. <laughs> and number three, Elon Musk. Wow. Whoa. Pretty impressive. Yeah. He's on top of Mary Barra, who's at uh, General Motors, mm -hmm. and uh, the Tata CEO. And this was, what was the metric date? What was the, the metric of this? It's sort best? of an opinion piece. It's on okay. yeah, the top just sitting around drinking coffee, like, how would we get some clicks? Oh, kind of like this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm eating crow, and I'm happy to do that. But what do you guys think about that whole like I agree. That EV yeah. adoption thing? I, like, so if that is going to continue to 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 play a role, and maybe it's not playing such a role anymore, like, what do we do about that? Like, as a society, what we do about it is we say, "Go, Elon, go." Okay, yeah. because he has talked about the fact why aren't these other like. The rest of the auto industry is in big trouble right now. Sales yeah. are way down. We talk about Tesla all the time. Like, they've got some financials. The rest of the auto industry is in big trouble. And they asked Elon, well, what do you think is going on here? And he's like, because they lack courage. Yeah. They lack their vision. They don't understand. This is the powertrain. Electricity is the powertrain. Get your act together or you're going to be left behind. We and I think the only way that they're going to continue to move forward is if Tesla continues to be successful. Please be successful, Tesla. We talked about the difference between most CEOs and the wartime CEO. That was like a 2011 concept that came out of a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. But Elon is the archetypal wartime CEO. Bet it all. Put it on the line. Take risk. Push, 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 which is what he does. And we push back somewhere. And what's the biggest example, in your opinion, and I know the answer for me, of something that he did that people were like, this is insane. And it has become likely the thing that will save Tesla in the long run. Which one thing? The I one was main say, no investment LIDAR. that Tesla made. No LIDAR. It's Gigafactory 1. It's Gigafactory. It's supercharging. It's supercharging. System. It might be a software over-the-air software update. So there's not one thing? 
No. Turns out there's a couple but, of one but things. But the big investment, the $5 billion partnership with Panasonic and Gigafactory 1 yeah. has given Tesla yeah. the capacity to do what it's doing today. Because without that factory, Model 3 does not have the production numbers that it has. Whether or not that's currently profitable or not, the proof of concept that people want that car and that car can be made for a decent amount of for a low enough price doesn't means Gigafactory China doesn't exist. That was at the time people were like, "Are you crazy? You built a factory in the middle of nowhere that needs a bunch of qualified, yeah. you know, people yeah, yeah, yeah. to work at it, yeah. and you're making it how big?" Yeah. Giga, 30% of uh, big. It's always 30%. That's a big, big thing. But before that, the fundamental thing here is that Elon had a vision and he didn't, the vision wasn't about, I want to make a company to make a profit. This has not been about profit. This right. has been like, here's yeah. a problem in the world. I have lots of money and I want to do something useful. Yeah. I might be a little bit crazy ADD and whatever, mm-hmm. but I want to do something useful in the world and I'm going to follow that right. vision. So he's been following a separate vision than a Ford or a GM, which is like, how do we make uh, profits? Yeah. He's like, how do we fix this global warming problem that's going to destroy the planet? And don't even pay me. Just give me milestone payments when I do things which people think are freaking crazy, like make a half a million cars. So today we love Elon. And tomorrow we'll love Elon as well. We just will hope that he keeps the tweeting in place. Now, speaking of Elon, let's talk about London. I was going to say, and speaking of (laughs) things that we love, not the air in London. Uh, So there's an article. I just got back from London and I got to tell you, it's disappointing. I love London. I'm very much an Anglophile. I just think it's one of the greatest cities in the world. But there's You're still under the thumb of the Queen, aren't you? Yes, I am. As a former Australian citizen, I guess I still am an Australian citizen and an American citizen. There's just not enough EVs there. Right. What's going on? Let's get some EVs up in that place. It says here, the mayor of London in this article is quoted as saying that he developed asthma as an adult and the city's air pollution has contributed to it significantly. He said that the air quality is now the worst in the city's history. Is that possible? Back when they were the burning coal and they had those episodes where there was so much coal fog that people were literally dropping dead. But still, they're pushing for there to be more electric plugs in London. They're expecting 50,000 charging points by 2025. And, and he's basically looking at what could London do to meet the Paris climate? Accord, right? Like that was sort of his basis yeah. of, of of why he moved forward with this. And you can read this PDF and it's very fascinating in terms of fast charging and they're doing light pole charging as, as Ooh, part I've of their the system, time. which is very cool, right? Because that is that infrastructure, that electric infrastructure is all over the place already. So, And they are very good at public transport, so they just need to clean up their cars a little bit. That's, and, uh, and they're doing these nine hubs, if you read this thing, all over London, and some of them are going to be for London taxis and buses, right? There's a big part of this infrastructure is to serve the private sort of uh, services, car rideshare services. I did see, and stuff. see a fair few of those big buses that transport lots of people that were fully electric, and that was nice to see. Really, but you know who doesn't like electricity and electric cars? I don't. Um, nobody. Colorado. Why? 
Colorado auto dealers. What's wrong with Colorado? Well, apparently the auto dealers see their future is changing, and so the way you stop the future, which is cleaner cars and cleaner air, mm-hmm. is to try and go to the courts and say, well, you're going to affect us. All of these EVs, they're bad. We're going to sell less cars, and that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. So can we block that? And thankfully, a judge said that's a lame argument. No. <laughs> the judge was... Clearly. Really, economic injury is what they, the auto dealers called it. They tried to block the EV promotion, promoting laws. And this came from Sean Mitchell. He had tweeted this out. And I thought, if you're in Colorado or anywhere for that matter, yeah. and you catch wind of some of these anti EV actions by the concerted folks like fossil fuels and automobile dealers, then you should jump on the bandwagon and show your support. Right. But also, if you're an auto dealer, in Colorado, you got two options, right? You can fight the the adoption of EVs on a political scale, or you can go to the company that you're part of and push them to get you some damn EVs that you can sell on your lot. Yeah, that's like you trying, can do two things. That's like trying to uh, push uh, waterfall up the mountain because they don't. I don't know. I guess that's not true though. Because if all the, the dealers, dealers in got- Colorado trying to affect in other words they're scared of what we've done here in california they don't want what's done here to happen there because it's going to hurt them but i agree they should just get with the future which is now right but if the dealers got together and they were like look we want to buy these cars from you we want to buy these evs that and we want you to help us build this infrastructure of course the 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 manufacturers are going to listen to them because these are their customers at the end of the day the dealers are the biggest number one customer for the manufacturers yeah well they don't see it that way tom they just don't want them and unfortunately there is a uh, in the end this will fail, and in the end, uh, technology will move on. And uh-huh. But, uh, you know, with the fossil fuel industry, they were able to block uh, the ag- adoption of renewable energy for a few decades mm-hmm. because they did this kind of stuff, and they lied. And now, yeah. look at, now look at where we are. Now look at us. What a disaster. Let's talk about automation, and let's talk about Vegetables. Farming. Vegetables. Let's talk about veggies. Veggies are good for you, Tom. You should they, eat them. I love the vegetables. I was at the farmer's market this morning buying a, a plethora, an array, uh, a cornucopia of fresh of corn. organic vegetable. I did buy well, some look, corn as a Let me just show you today. a picture on my phone. Please. Of something that I found, I find it's great so, radio when we so show pictures disturbing. On. In fact, I'm going to tweet this picture out and I'm going to challenge people don't know to listen to figure out what the hell this is. This, okay, it's a picture of what looks like a patio yes. and it's got a chair on one side and there's four things on the floor that Robert has circled with a red circle and then he wrote... Plus one equals five, and it looks like we see his knee and his bag, and maybe there's a shadow of something else. That's a picture of from me sitting on my porch this morning, uh-huh. reading through the show notes, mm-hmm. preparing, as it is, for this very event. Uh-huh. And as I look around on the floor, I noticed five dead bees. Why'd you only circle four of them? Because the other one was under my chair. Ah. And this for me, is a regular occurrence. I'll sweep my porch, mm-hmm. come out the next day, four dead bees. Mm-hmm. Come out the next day, three dead bees. I'm on the fifth floor in the middle of Santa Monica. I'm not near fields or anything, but there are lots of people, I take it, who spray Roundup and all kinds of other pesticides on their little gardens somewhere in the areas around me in Los Angeles, and the bees are dying. And this article comes from that sort of inspiration. You should should put a bunch of flowers on your porch and maybe the bees would come and be able to nectar up and then have enough energy to get back to where they're going. Cold trees or 
There are plastic trees there. They don't <laughs> need bees. <laughs> is it cold trees? I don't think cold. they're. I don't know what that is, but it's fun. <laughs> the farm automation breakthrough bringing the high-tech West Coast and rural Rust Belt together. So this is a Forbes article talking about a Silicon Valley company. Actually, it's in San Francisco called FarmWise. And they have developed a chemical-free autonomous weeding robot. And there's a picture of it here in the show notes. It's not very impressive. It's just this kind of like rectangular box with wheels. And it's not electric, unfortunately. Unfortunately, no. It has a exhaust pipe, but I'm sure they could change that. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is, is that this thing can be let loose on fields and it can distinguish between the plants that you want to eat and the weeds that you don't want eating the stuff the plants are trying to eat mm-hmm. or the crops are trying to eat. Mm-hmm. Pulls the or weeds. crowding them. Yeah, Pulls the weeds and does it without chemicals other than diesel fuel. <laughs> but the bottom line but is, the is, chemical spreaders use diesel fuel also, so it's not it's a net benefit there. It is because the people don't want uh, pesticides in their food. It's definitely decimating the bee population for sure. And the problem in this article that they addressed was how this sort of left coast, uh, forward thinking engineering company had developed this terrific potential uh, change device, but they didn't have a way to get it out to millions of farms and farmers and build it up. But now they have a consortium that they've worked with in Detroit and they're getting to the point now uh, using this company, Roche Industries. It's among Roush. Them, Roush. So like Roush, you've heard of Roush Racing. This is a, a big guy. They own Roush Fenway, the Boston Red Sox, and the champions of Europe, Liverpool Football Club. Thank you very much. High five. so <laughs> <laughs> exciting. I thought I'd get that in there. Yeah. And so this is a really cool development. I think it just belongs here because it's a forward yeah. look at how the world can change for the better that we don't uh-huh. necessarily get a look at. And if you happen to be in San Francisco, you can meet the, quote, badass women in robotics at uh, FarmWise. They're having a social event on the 23rd, which is Tuesday, which you may just be hearing this on Tuesday yeah, maybe from 6 to 8 o'clock on Connecticut Street. You can see it in the show notes or you can go to farmwise.io. Very exciting. Yeah. Great to see folks working on changing up how we live. It's a cool video, too. They have a nice video. There, There's a bunch of jobs available. So if you happen to be a manufacturing engineer or you happen to want to run, uh, work in a farm and work in the future of potential future of farming, yeah, take a look. But how is this um, thing going to learn to get better? How is it going to get better at distinguishing between the plants we want and the plants that we don't? How is that going to happen? Segway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's going to use AI or machine learning. And machine learning. That's probably the most logical thing. So Segway. recently, <laughs> recently we had the International Conference on Machine Learning. I think it took place just last month. And there is an amazing video that you can watch on Sides Slides live.com the link is in the notes of andrej karpathy this was another one of those things that i just waited for you to do the abstract of so i didn't have to try to figure out what you were talking about yeah no he gave this like 30 35 minute talk about the ai machine learning that they are working on at tesla and it was another one of these crack your head open and blow your mind 
But at about 17 minutes is when my mind went kind of frozen okay. because it got to be a little bit much. And in fact, right. I've actually got a paper that I downloaded about the methodology of learning this stuff. And it's pretty impressive. There's a lot of math. He's talking about what um, they're currently working on and the scale at which they're attacking this is many fold greater than what sounds like has been done in the past. And it's interesting. There's politics that he talks about. There's how teams can work together, how they're limited by the resources of the actual computer, even though we've talked about the 2.5 or is it 3.0 AI computer now in Tesla's? Mm -hmm. I think it's 3.0 that it's uh, so capable of doing so much, but still it is limited to a great degree that they can't do everything they want to do, and they have to keep figuring out more uh, ingenious ways of processing the information that they're collecting. But it's really great. He talks about the architectural considerations, the training dynamics, and the team workflow. I thought it was a great talk, and I really recommend it. I actually put a screenshot here of one of his slides when he puts like this scratch on a pad of paper about the different teams and how they're competing for the the bandwidth within the computer system. Because, you know, somebody who is trying to recognize traffic light patterns, and you have to cycle the the learning of the traffic light patterns pretty quickly because traffic lights change. They go from green to orange to red. And sometimes when they're going between orange and red, it actually can appear to be a different color, like blue, or is it green to orange? It can look blue. I have no and idea so, what you're talking about yeah, right now. Is so that a he thing? talks about like some of the crazy stuff that we take for granted mm-hmm. as we operate our cars and drive around. And he talks really fast. And I just think like, when does this guy sleep? And what do you think happens when like the stoplight is out? Right. Correct. Like in New York, when the power went out mm-hmm. and there's this great little YouTube video of some guy who stood for like 45 minutes in a busy intersection just directing traffic. It was like cool. amazing. A random guy. He was using his random AI that came with his <laughs> cerebrum. <laughs> but I don't care about any of this. I don't care about AI. What do you I don't care, care about? about New York. What I do you... don't care about the power going out. <laughs> I don't care about anything. I only care about one thing, one thing only. It's my and favorite it's part always, of the show. Always the one thing you mainly care about. Supercharging. And there's a big, exciting, wonderful, amazing, huge, large, big, and Bunkakian V3 supercharger just opened. Yeah, That's but it right. opened in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, in fact, right alongside the uh, Caesars Palace. And what is the name it's of this? It's actually across uh, the street from Caesars Palace at the Link, which is Link. a giant Ferris wheel you can see from a lot of your hotel rooms if you're in Las Vegas. I've been in the Link. Oh, it's wow. pretty cool. It goes pretty slow. There's these pods and it rotates. And some of them, you, there's bars in them. So you could rent them for like an hour or so. And, these are and big pods. They're huge. Yeah, like 30 people can be in each With pod. With a bar inside. Some of them have bars. They don't all have bars. Those I want to like be special in that event one. <laughs> But, like, there's a bar at the bottom before you get in, so you can get a drink, and then you can get in your thing, and it takes a nice, slow Ferris wheel loop. And this thing is basically at the base of it, and it's got, what, like 37 stalls or something crazy like that? 39 stalls? Yeah, it's actually the coolest Tesla supercharger station for many reasons. One, it's V3. 
Two, it uses the full features of the Tesla energy ecosystem. So it's covered in panels. It's got a bunch of batteries that can run the thing at night. And it's going to use almost no electricity, but help Caesars to achieve its goal. Yes, Tom. And how, do, how does it do this? This is what I want to – this is what I'm curious about. How, how does Tesla building a supercharger – like, how does Caesars take credit for reducing its carbon footprint from this? Because that many fewer – because a lot of these uh, uh, calculations are based on, like, you have, let's say, a hospital. And you've got, let's say, 400 employees. And mm-hmm. they all drive to your hospital. Uh-huh. And every day they burn a guesstimated, I don't know, gallon of gas each. Okay. So, 600 gallons of gas. And that produces so much carbon. Okay. All these calculations go out. Now, Caesars can say that when they're – uh, servicing like 1,200 cars uh, a month or a week. I forgot the numbers. My computer is freezing up. An hour. Then that much less carbon is being produced by Caesar's Palace. Right, but 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 Tesla's building. <laughs> well, do they have a power sharing agreement? Say during the day when all the batteries are full and they've got excess energy, Caesar's is like, can we have some of that and we'll use it? Okay. And we'll reduce some of our electricity uses. Right. It must Thank be sort you. of. I was just curious if you guys somewhere. had an idea. Their goal is to cut carbon emissions by thirty percent by twenty twenty five. That's cool. And the interesting thing here is. Uh, maybe that's at a different. It's not this one, but uh, they were saying these V three superchargers. I don't know if it was this one because it didn't exist before, but um, it was doing about six thousand charging operations a month. So it's the so in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas supercharger was doing sixty five hundred a month. This adds capacity of an additional fifteen hundred cars a day. A day from six thousand a month to fifteen hundred. A day. That's, That's a, a lot huge. More. That's a That's order of magnitude. No, a few, a few orders of magnitude. Yeah. So this one has twenty-four V three supercharger stalls. It also has fifteen level two destination chargers. So like, if you're going to go stay overnight and you just arrived, you undid your bags, mm-hmm. you you've, you're now going to park your car. You don't have to park it at a supercharger and come back out in 15 minutes because it right. actually takes you like an hour to walk back to your room. Right. And so they have the level two chargers that you can use when you go for dinner. And I wonder if Caesars is going to have like some valet parkers over there that can kind of help rotate for their for the people that are staying at their hotel. That would be pretty cool, right? Yeah, be because nice. Caesars can, has about 1.8 trillion rooms. So <laughs> 15 superchargers is great, yeah. but it's not enough. But 1,500 cars a day, like the throughput, right? <laughs> that's that's, that's the important number, right? It's right. not the, the fact that they can do 39 at a time. It's the fact that they're so fast, you get 180 miles in 15 minutes. Crazy good. They can just drop a lot of cars, right? Every 15 minutes, right? Boom, boom, boom. A new car can be on there. This just sort of tells us that if this is what they're going to be rolling out, we don't have to be as amped up and upset (laughs) and worried that there aren't enough superchargers because one of these large V3 stations can do the same work as, what, a half a dozen standard stations? You feel better about that, Mel? Are they going to make a lot more? Just, I'll feel better <laughs> after I get the supercharger update. Let's just see how many of these are coming out because I want to see that there's All about right. 50 in the last few weeks. Let's okay. see. Well, thanks as always to supercharge.info for the web page on which everybody updates superchargers. Mm-hmm. Since our last show on July 8th, we have 14 new superchargers. Ooh, and this is one of them, right? This Vegas one this was is, one yes, of them. Yes, there's yeah. nine in the U.S., okay. two in France. France. There's one each in Spain, Italy, and Sweden, but construction, we've got 11 new superchargers under construction and 12 new 
permitted superchargers, this is an uptick in good. supercharger activity. Pretty exciting. So maybe it's because Gigafactory 2 is now building the superchargers and they're getting their act together and they can build them faster. But I was on the, uh, they just came out with a new map. Here is where all the new superchargers are going to be in 2019. It's an impressive map. There is a lot of superchargers. But if you read the comment section from people who've been following Tesla for a long time, there's a number of people saying, um, this is the same map that I saw in 2017 when it comes to a lot of these places. Um, and then in 2018, and now in 2019, things like Calabasas, uh, San Rafael, all these places that I've personally been looking at because I'm like, I wonder when we're we getting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, But maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that we're going to get all those superchargers. It looks like they're going to double the number of superchargers here in the U.S. And hopefully they're all V3. Do we know this? Uh, all the new they ones V3? They are not V3? all V3. They're no, not? no, no. Many no. of them are still metro chargers, the 72-kilowatt chargers. I'm, on that map, by the way, they do show the Trans-Canadian Highway finishing and really filling in the United States a lot. So you can go between places that earlier you could not. But one place you cannot go is down from Texas into Mexico without considerable problems. And I caught a Twitter exchange between Angel Ponce, Angel, Angel Ponce, who was concerned that he is not able to drive his Supercharger 3 into Mexico because there needs to be a charger between Chihuahua and El Paso. And so he gives Elon a recommendation and uh, boom, Elon responds, okay. And so I wondered, maybe this dude, uh, Mr. Ponce, actually owns the property on which he's recommending. (laughs) Oh, my family owns that town. We'd like to have a supercharger. But either way, it'd be great to just open up uh, the travel route in an area where you can't go. And so if you can do that, that's great. Because there's a big cluster of superchargers down around Mexico City. But one thing you should do after you've got a supercharger and uh, it's up and running is you should keep it running and going, right, Thomas? Right, you shouldn't get some, like, old dude to come put bags over the superchargers. Do you guys have any idea how many superchargers there are in the UAE, the United Arab Emirate, Emir- Emirates? Emirates? Like five mm-hmm. or – I mean, like, stations or plugs? No, 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 just stations. Let's like five on. or six? Yeah, there's three and four plans. That's pretty yeah. pretty good for a place that's, uh, you know, making the oil. They buy a lot of uh, – a lot of – electric cars down there because they like fast yeah they like fast then you don't have to worry about sand getting into the carburetor and the filters and the oil spots and that's true yeah it's, a, it's an impressive map of supercharging that we are about to have unfurled a lot of uh, eastern europe is getting a lot more stuff soon so it's it's pretty yeah into pretty Russia, darn exciting. finland mm-hmm. yeah no it's going to be it's going to be wicked but any in africa no no Setting, yeah, it's true. It'll, it's coming. What it's about coming. in Utah? Any open new openings in Utah or closings? What do yeah, you got there? so in southern Utah, there was this little exchange that took place. A video got posted of this fellow who owns a gas station, kind of like a truck stop complex, and this guy's doing a video of him putting bags over the superchargers, like uh, this guy, potato sacks, a super YouTuber. And then uh, putting up signs that say Tesla superchargers are shut down. Don't stop here. I mean, I watched it. It's been a week since I watched this, but it was really sad. And I thought, what the hell is this guy doing? And it turns out that this is his gas station. Uh And Tesla had made an agreement to rent the space and pay him money. Goth laws. And then they didn't pay it. It's been a while. He'd been waiting since November to get his rental 
fees. Yeah. And so the Twitterverse, the Tesla supporting Twitterverse started, you know, getting angry at this guy and his family responds and say, wait a minute. There's a reason for this. And people were saying like, oh, Tesla never pays anybody to rent space. But in this case, they they said they would. And certainly within a within like four hours of the video, the bagging video, somebody cut a from, check. Somebody from <laughs> uh, the owner's family said, oh, Tesla connected with us and now they're going to pay. And they unbagged the superchargers. And the guy that that posted this video, right, is yeah. from a YouTube channel with 6.6 million subscribers, which is why this thing got viral and why Tesla paid attention to it. So shout out to the what's inside uh, YouTube channel uh, and, you know, the the work that they did to, to get this guy paid and get these superchargers reopened. He happened to be charging at one of the superchargers that this gentleman had not yet bagged, but was on his way to do. What yeah. is Tesla doing that they can't just pay the bills? I mean, that, that shouldn't happen. What's going on there? What, I think this is I think this is the bigger problem of Tesla. Like who actually sells Teslas? These people who call me on the phone. They were selling BMWs and Audis a month or two ago. Yeah. Or the people who are doing service on Tesla. Like two guys came out, my other headlight went out. Uh-huh. And it didn't completely go out, but the LED rim light went out. So mm-hmm. I went on my phone, I thought, oh, screw this. I'm not gonna wait months. I'm just gonna use my phone app. And literally yeah. On Sunday afternoon, this is a whole aside, these two guys show up Sunday. These two guys show up in a Tesla and pull into my garage and fix the light. It was great. And I hung out with them when we talked a bit. The bottom line is uh, one of the guys, I think, was just training from another automobile repair you know, uh, dealership. And so all these people are coming over to Tesla to fill the job ranks who were at these legacy car companies that did not focus on what they needed to focus on, what we expect them to focus on as Tesla owners. And this is part of the problem, too. You get people coming in. They're not part of the Tesla. But this is the supercharger ethos. team that should be in charge of this. And, and just and, and they're to, hiring and to, people. And to follow just up on this, remember... Way, way, way back on June 11th when I was on this show and we talked about the fact that my car had an odor and I had taken it to yes. the Man Vise Service Center. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so I, when I did that, they, they charged me a lot of money for this ozone treatment that did not solve the problem. I had made an appointment, I don't know, two weeks in advance to, to get my air filters taken care of. And at the time, they were like, oh, uh, we're so sorry we didn't actually have the cabin filters when you showed up for your appointment, but we'll make sure to set up a mobile appointment to uh, replace those cabin air filters for you. So that was June 11th. What's today's date, gentlemen? You guys know? Uh, July 21st. Do you I'm... feel like I'm saying this because they you took care them? of it? No. Yeah. So I still have heard uh, literally nothing from them since June 11th. Did you try what I recommended? Well, just now? No, I haven't tried what you no, recommended. No, what I recommended last show. Plug it in. Uh-huh. Of course, it's going to have to be to Mel's plug. Okay. And then turn on your heat. Full blast. No, I didn't try that because I want them to Leave replace Leave the windows my, open. They charged me $135 for this treatment Tell me that didn't work, and they didn't replace my cabin filters. Worked for me. So what did you do? Because my Model 3 stinks. Yeah, so the old Model S smelled all musty. And yes. We got them to replace the filters, and it still smelled musty. Yes. And one of our listeners said, and I'll... Can't give you credit, buddy, but I'm sorry. 
I'll just say it. Plug the car in. Yes. Crank the heat all the way to 11. Yes. Open the windows. Yes. And let it go for four hours. So you're recommending- Just heat the entire AC system. Uh Blow out any of the mold or moisture or whatever that got in there. Uh And bam, it never smelled after that. Does that get me my $135 back? No, no, but you can complain issue. on the show here and maybe Tesla will listen. So Tesla, I'm <laughs> complaining officially on the show here. You charge me $135 for an ozone treatment, which now sounds very fake. Yes, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and you were supposed to replace my cabin air filters with this product, with this service, and still nothing over a month and a half later. What are you people doing? And you know, I'm just going to say it. At the Van Nuys Service Center, what are you guys doing? Please Feel free to let me know. Thank you. Um, I should say, uh, for those that don't know, the Model 3, the intake, the air intake to go into the cabin is actually in the frunk. So if you're, if you're like me and oh, you're like, that's where you put your shoes. I take my stinky golf shoes and I throw them in the frunk. Here's a life goal. sucking air into the I don't put cabin. my Here's, shoes in there, though. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Here's a life uh, lesson. Yes. Okay. So recently, like last three months, I've started running my running without yes. socks. Because oh. it's better for my toes, Gross. better for my feet, but my shoes stink. Yes. Very much worse for your grab, shoes. <laughs> grab some of these big tea bags or a bunch of smaller tea bags yes. and put them in your shoes. And they it's absorb- amazing at absorbing the moisture and taking out the smell. Robert's tea bag in his shoes. <laughs> tea bag in the shoe, exactly. You know what I did Works is well. I got one of these air fresheners and I found the where the air intake is and I popped the lid off it and I threw it in there and closed it. So now when you turn on the air, it's got this lovely new car scent. Are you able to reuse these tea bags? Like, do they then take them oh, yeah, out and they dry tea. out? And then that's disgusting. And then Please, tea, yeah. I really was hoping neither one of you were going to say that. But let's yeah, say no. you put the tea bags in your in your thing, and they absorb 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 moisture. Yeah, and then they get. And then a little... I take the tea bags out of my shoes. I throw them in the little slot where I keep my shoe. Uh huh. And when I come back home, I put the tea bag back in. Okay, so like it dries itself out, so you're able to use yeah. the tea bag a few times for this moisture Just not absorption. For tea. I would love for you to make Mel a cup of tea. <laughs> I would, I would, this I would absolutely love like for that Robert's to happen. Like toes. two months from now, when he forgets about this story, you come in, you're like, I made some sun tea, bro. But you went and looked at me like this. You went like this, and you winked. Wink. And I was like, not, oh, not. I remember the tea wink, story. Wink. But Mel, he sometimes forgets Eric things. Idol. So that'd be so love that. That'd be so funny. And speaking of Mel, let's talk about Australia <laughs> in oh. May. Turns out that Australia. Uh, as much as, on the one hand, they're trying to do stuff, depending on which government's in at the time, to reduce their greenhouse gases, mm-hmm. it is a bit bogus when you're like, oh, we've got more electricity here, mate. We've got a couple of electric cars. And then you're digging up the whole of Australia and you're sending it overseas to burn the coal. That's not good. There are other places like Norway that do this. Like, look at all our electric cars and look at right. all the stuff that we're digging out of the ground and selling overseas. So. Yeah, uh, the Guardian is, says that Australia is responsible for 5% of global greenhouse gas emissions, and it could rise to as much as 17% by 2030. So it's not just the Barbies. It's crazy because Australia's always said, oh, we're only <laughs> responsible for you know half a percent of global greenhouse gases and stuff. But now you're not. You could be as much as you know, 17, 20% if you continue to follow these policies, which is if China wants it, if anybody wants it, we'll dig it up and sell it to you and you can burn it. Well, okay. Does anybody know how much, and I know you're going to, somebody's going to hate me for asking this question, but like, what is the GDP 
hit if Australia is like, we're not going to dig up coal? How many jobs do they lose? It's substantial. But you know what? Another thing that Australia has a lot of? Heat. White sharks? <laughs> and Australians. They are building in northern Australia mm-hmm. a gigantic solar farm, uh-huh. and they're putting a cable under the waters and sending it to Singapore. Whoa. This is a big, fascinating, interesting deal. How far is that? It's a whiles. It's a bit. It's some miles. <laughs> so that's the kind of things like Australia, just like everybody else. Well, we don't want to lose jobs from not digging up the coal. So like it turns out we're not going to have a planet. So we need to start being brave and have forward-thinking ideas. And one of the things that Australia could do is like, let's double down on renewables. They're really good at lithium iron uh, production or lithium mining. So mine some more lithium. Uh, mine some more of the photons and send it to Singapore. Think of some other ways to do this. Not the same old digging up of fossil fuels. To answer the question, by air travel between Australia and Singapore, anybody? Anybody? Uh, Two hours. No, 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 mile. By miles oh. and or kilometer. You can do miles. You can do I'm kilometers. Say 900 miles. Like 2,000 miles. 2,715 miles or 4,370 kilometers, 4.85 hours by the plane. That's a long, it's a long way long, to send long long cable but Saudi Arabia, How efficient could that be? There's also these sort of plans or ideas of doing the same thing in North Africa. Lots and lots of sunshine, mm-hmm. and at a different time of day than in Europe, oh. get all the sunshines during the day in Africa, pipe it over to the Europe's so that they can use it. Mm. These are some big ideas. That is we kind need of some very, big very ideas. Cool. I like that. It's much closer than 2,700 miles, I think, to parts of Europe anyways from Africa. Why did the Dragon Test Crew thing blow up? Yeah, Why that's a good question. The road, I thought, is what you were going to ask. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, so the the crew dragon or uh, blew up. This was like in April, April twentieth. We saw that. I think that was a very disappointing moment for all of us because it was there one moment, and then and it was gone the next. next. It was. That's true. And that's this exactly was when happened. they're practicing with the various Draco engines. There's like two different Draco engines. These are these little uh, engines that are implanted in the side of the crew capsule to, number one, either... Um, maneuver it around while it's in space so it can dock with the space station, you know, mm-hmm. very fine changes in attitude and pitch. Mm. And then the large ones, which would be used in case the, let's say the Falcon 9 is going up and they're passing max Q, right? When all the pressures and are on. Things and become thing not just nominal. Blows up. Yeah. A, a rapid, unexpected disassembly. <laughs> and then what they can do is they can pop the Dragon capsule off the Falcon 9, Uh and this has these huge engines, relatively speaking, that are very powerful that can pop the Falcon off and then it can shoot off some parachutes and they can even help with it softer landing. The bottom line is, is the super Draco thrusters exploded. And now we've got um, a download of information. They just said this on the 15th of July, that it was because there was a problem in a valve. There was a valve that couldn't handle the, oh, what was it called? Nitrogen tetroxide. Right. Nitrogen tetroxide. It went into this valve. It came very hot. There was a lot of heat, and the whole thing exploded. And uh, the woman who's from NASA, the manager of commercial crew program, said this accident was a huge gift. It was a gift. I was so upset, but she said it was a huge gift. Shows you the varying perspectives, but she said there was a huge gift because it showed a flaw in the ground, uh, on the ground, as opposed to when they were up in space, which makes good sense. And I, I sort of agree with that now yeah. too. 
Better than no astronauts being in there. There's bodies. a reason that you test your rockets. There's a lot of energy density mm-hmm. there, and you've got to make sure that it gets expelled the right way or mm-hmm. it will go kaboom. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there you go. Potpourri, let's talk about Back to the Future, the Victory Garden. Go. Yeah, this was a really great. This is uh, uh, on YouTube. Is a It's called At Now This News. Now this news. And uh, back at, uh, I guess, just around the time we recorded our last show, they showed um, what is the new return to the old concept of the Victory Garden. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a lawn out front of your house, Mm -hmm. get rid of the grass. It doesn't serve anybody. I mean, it's nice to look at and maybe you'll lie down on it once in a while. Your kids will play on it a bit. But what if you could grow the carrots, the celery, the leafy greens, the foods that you could eat in your home. Then you wouldn't have to like go spend energy, be it gas or electric, to go to the supermarket to get stuff that was trucked there using gas, not electricity, yeah. and or all of the pesticides and all the other stuff that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It says uh, Americans use 7 billion gallons of water a day to irrigate lawns. I bet most of that's in the West. I bet the rest most of it's on my lawn because I still haven't zero have escaped. So it. many lawns too. So I've got many a zero lawns. escape. What if we used our time and our resources to fill our lawns with fruits and vegetables? And this shows a guy in Florida who did just that. Not only did he plant a garden in his front yard, he actually had to go up against the city elders to convince them to elders. change a law that said you must have grass. You cannot have vegetables. And he shows off this amazing, he's got a banana tree. They they dig up carrots and they're eating carrots right then and there. I mean, I, my mouth was watering. Yeah. And so this is an old concept from both World War One and World War II. You can look it up. I looked on uh, on Wikipedia. George Washington Carver popularized the term of the Victory Garden, and it puts less pressure on the public food supply. It indirectly uh, helps because... Uh, it's a morale booster. Mm-hmm. People feel really proud if they aren't like me and kill everything. Uh-huh. Uh, very proud that they could bring food from their their gardens. They could have fruit and vegetables. I actually have had pretty good luck with that. Yeah. And it's a great pastime. So recommend everybody convert your front lawn. And if you can't do and it your yourself. Back lawn, yeah, all your lawn. All your lawn. If you can't do it yourself, it'd be a great community Mm -hmm. uh, gathering idea. And there is actually a service or two here in Los Angeles where they will come. Is that what you're going to talk about? No, I was going to talk about that show that I recommended, a media pick, which was Breaking Bread. And so on that, they they interview a gentleman in Los Angeles who's using his curbside grass area. You know, that's the grass between your property. Then there's the sidewalk. And then there's the curbside grass in the street. He's basically taken that and put a garden in there in his neighborhood. And anybody who's like walking by, walking their dog can like grab some fruit or grab a vegetable off of there. And it's just sort of a thing for the neighbor. So even if we just did that and the city stopped irrigating because the city's responsible for that strip of grass. That would be amazing, but but he has had to fight his city, just like this other gentleman, in terms of getting permission to do stuff like that. And there are all kinds of places all over, community gardens. This would be a phenomenal thing. So to there's do this. a service where, and I've heard and read of a few of these, where there are people who have either a business or a volunteer organization where they will come help you to decide what to plant because not everything grows everywhere. Right. And you may be great. Like I 
and I was great at growing zucchini, mm-hmm. but I got so sick and tired of eating zucchini mm-hmm. that I couldn't figure out what to do with all the zucchini. And so right. let's say your area is great for citrus or zucchini or whatever. And across town, they're really great at carrots. Mm-hmm. And up the road, they're really great at bananas. Then you could have a, a sharing system going on mm-hmm. where they come, they work on your garden, weed it, because there's no robot yet, mm-hmm. and help to get things growing well, yeah. harvest, leave you something from someone else, take some of your stuff to someone else, yeah. and you could even pay for it because you're already paying for the fruits and vegetables anyway. Right. Or this could go, some of the excess could go into food banks and feed people who who, who need it. Who the has- amount of stuff we could grow here in California alone oh, no. would be Unbelievable. With that 7 billion gallons of lawn water, especially. I saw some programs about some English towns doing the same thing. And as a community, the entire town doing that, exactly what you're saying. Some people are growing tomatoes. And you could just go through town and pick some stuff for dinner. Uh, Kids on the way to school, on the way home from school, were getting this food as well. Reducing food insecurity. It was kind of like utopian. Yeah. So I like this. It's pretty exciting. But I'm done. Let's do some media picks. You're done? Yeah, I'm kind of burnt out. Okay. Sick of it. Finished with talk, the show, as it were. We've been in this talk, small talk, room talk, with you talk, two talk, guys talk, for talk, two hours. We're we have done. a single letter, and apparently I'm the only one doing a media pick. But this I is have a very, media pick, very, very uh, media pick that's near and dear to my heart. New on Netflix is a six- or seven-part documentary on uh, tacos in Mexico. Really well done. They do a show, an individual show on carnitas and El Pastor. And yes, I know we've talked time and time again. Don't eat as much meat as as you possibly can. But it's a good show. It's a good media pick. Shows all kinds of very, very interesting things. And every once in a while, the narration is of a taco speaking as if it was like, I am the carnitas taco, the king of all of the tacos. And it's very, very fascinating. It's all in Spanish. So you can hone up on your Spanish Excellent. skills while you're watching it. And it's got the subtitling. How so many it's, hours it's is very this? Cool. I think show. there are six or seven episodes, maybe a half an hour each. Seven very, episodes on tacos? But it's each individual taco, like different Whoa. kinds of tacos. And then... And the human stories behind the tacos, they show people making the tacos and families like, uh, you know, showing the cultural traditions of these tacos in certain areas. Like so certain areas of Mexico are known for carne asada tacos. Certain areas are known for their carnitas tacos. You know what? I have to say one thing. Okay. Some people on one end of the spectrum that Uh I know Mm -hmm. are going to be. Absolutely crazy excited that they could watch mm-hmm. six and a half hours of TV I, about tacos because they're be so and into hours, tacos. But yeah, uh-huh. And then there's the other half uh-huh. on the other side that are thinking, you people in California are crazy. Because about of what? food, a food, a taco, a taco. It's just something you get from Taco Bell. That's bull. Shove it down and you keep going. But that's the beautiful thing about this show, right? <laughs> is that it basically shows you the cultural, the cultural significance the taco has had to Mexico, right? And all of these different processes. It gives some history of the certain different kinds of tacos and where they came oh, from. Oh, absolutely. It's really quite well done. And if you love tacos like I love tacos My on mouth the weekends, is watering weekday vegetarian. Then you can enjoy I some lovely tacos. That taco is made out of tofu meat substitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most delicious things yeah. I've ever had in my life. Well, I'm going to decide: Am I going to the Oaxacan place or the purely Mexican place? Uh, I guess Oaxacan is Mexican, but I don't know where the other place is from. And I'm going to go have tacos after we're done with the show. I'm hungry because right now. I am Let's go so have tacos hungry. Together. I'm now in the middle of the book, 
The World Until Yesterday. Oh, nice title. What does it mean? Go. It's a. It's by Jared Diamond. We all know Jared Diamond for Guns, Germs, and Steel. And Neil Diamond's brother. Collapse. No, he's a UCLA professor. Professor Herbert. Oh, Whoa. he is. Yes. Oh, so he's on, on par with you. Friend of mine. Yes. Friend of and, mine. And the, the subtitle of the book is What We Can Learn from Traditional Societies. And it's fantastic. It's not, you know, we, we talk all the time on the show about what we can learn about, like, victory gardens and how we can be more personable and responsible to one another by cutting down on our use of resources. You don't need, you know, 10,000 Amazon packages a year. You can kind of cut that down and all that plastic that you throw away. And so this book talks about the other aspects of traditional societies that we should pay attention to and not disregard just because they're from a, quote, developing area. These are uh, behaviors, legal systems, decisions, support systems, how we look out for one another. It's actually a really good book, and I super recommend it. Give me one, just one takeaway that's stuck with you so far. So a guy is working for a company. And he's the driver. He just takes people around. And some kid gets off the school bus and walks around the back of the school bus, which you're not supposed to do, sees his uncle across the street who's waving at him like, hey. And the kid darts out from behind the bus and gets killed by this driver who happens to be from a different tribe because there's a lot of tribal um, interaction in New Guinea. And it talks about how they solved this tragedy so that everybody came away feeling, I don't know if I would say satisfied or whole, but there certainly wasn't tribal warfare as a result of this act, terrible accident. But everybody came out feeling like their needs were met. And it all happened within a matter of weeks without any lawyers using the traditional ways at which you would settle such a situation. And no one was killed. There was no retaliation in a society where that takes place all the time. And so it was really impressive versus how we would have done it. The cops would have been involved. There would have been litigation with lawyers and potential criminal and expense. And, you know, it, it's just really interesting to see that, we have some things to learn, and we could learn them if we only paid attention. All right, Herbert, you're up. Stranger Things. Oh, you're like a teenager. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally finished it. Okay, good. There are monsters. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Kids. big spiders. So people loved season one. Yeah. yeah. People sort of were eh about season two, uh-huh. but I don't know how you felt about it. Season three? Hmm? I liked it. I thought it was better than season two. Okay. Quite enjoyed it. Got more into the characters a bit more. Okay. You can't all be about, you know, stranger things. It's got to be about the characters. That's really good. <laughs> One thing I haven't started God. yet, but I'm just going to recommend it because it's going to be good, is uh, Comedians in Cars Drinking Coffee because I really love that show and there's more episodes that are up. There are. And I, and, and the, I watched three of the new episodes, the Eddie Murphy episode, very, very insightful. Very yeah, good. that's so what that I'm looking show, for. Very, I, I've been watching quite a bit of that. Somebody recommended, I can't remember who it was, but I, I listened, watched the the Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks episode of that. Very, yeah, very yeah, good. Very one. good. That is, they were like in a nursing home <laughs> yeah, in Florida. Very nice nursing home, though. So funny. No, they were in L.A. because he got deli from some... Uh, Nate Nowles in, in Beverly Hills, which gonna, is an excellent deli. It's a good deli. We just yeah. got a couple of letters. Brian McCabe here says, Hi, guys. I'm always enjoying the show. And lately, I feel like it's a bit uncanny because you do keep talking about stuff that, uh, you know, 
on the show and then I get it. So back in September, I picked up my Model 3 after Tom got his. Three months ago, I bought an electric mower after Mel got his. And a couple of months ago, I started reading The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace Wells before Robert mentioned it on the show. So I love the big show and I love Elon Daly, Mel. I like the way the show, Elon Daly, is a little more unstructured and you don't just do the facts. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you don't bog down by don't the bog information bog and the facts. Or, or the reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, I wonder if you're a, you know, if you go on Facebook much, because, you know, obviously we're tracking you on Facebook and, and uh, riffing off of all of your activities. Hey, you Brian, look, did you see his web, his internet address, where it's from? No. Look. Let's oh, nice. The show notes. I don't know if we want to say it. But no, we don't. But thanks, Brian. Where is it? Love I hearing from you. Can't say Mel's his name. Struggling with reality again. I don't <laughs> and see it. Oh, hello. I see. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. A that large organization cool. we respect highly. Yeah. And Todd McGregor. Hey, Todd. Uh, charging extension cables. He's got a lot of questions. And the charging cable extension expert. Is not Robert. me because I'm an S. I have a different charger than you, you guys. You are a bit of an S. But we're talking about <laughs> charging cables. Why do you want to – you don't have anything here? Well, I have a ton of charging cables, but I have a Model S. And the charger that I have, you click and unclick the plug dis- types off of the charger. Whereas the three, you have different like umbilicated – like they come off of the box – Right? You can change the plug yes. style from the box. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure which ones are available so, at the moment. So uh, they're they're all available, but what I think he's asking is whether or not he can use an extension cord. Right, So they don't want to install a charger, which they don't have to do. And again, I installed the 15, Robert, you probably know more than I do, the, the, the dryer, the 1540, I think is what it is. Nima. The one- the one that comes with the Tesla Model 3. There's there's yeah. two that come. One is the standard outlet, and the other one is the three-prong with the big flat. No, it's the four-prong. Four-prong. Four-prong with the big flat, and that's what I did. And I just installed that on a 50-amp circuit, and I can plug my car, and I get about 24 miles an hour. I would not use an extension cord, though. Like, you can use a, just a regular outlet. You do they, not need a charger. Tesla says you're not supposed to use an extension cord, but if you're using the standard three-prong uh-huh. uh, extension cord, I would recommend just getting a heavy-duty one. Okay. And I think mine is a 20-amp 20, uh, 20 or greater uh-huh. uh, extension cord. It's quite thick. Right. I had to pay extra for it, and it's quite heavy. Right. So so don't go – you don't have to go from the three-prong to the four-prong. That's not going to get you anything. Although it's weird because it says it's a 240-volt outlet. That's just a standard – yeah, so thing, I'm right? actually pulling no, up 120 amps. 120, 120 volts is so the it's US. a 240 with a three prong. So it must there be. There are a lot of different plug variations so out many there, plugs. and it's I am crazy. going to. I am looking right now because I didn't. I'm sorry to say, prepare for this, even though I know Todd, and he's you know how to get a hold of me, Todd. Todd, and I can on. email this to you, but I would like to put it out in the show notes or maybe put it on the um, website. There's a great. Uh, Oh, you there's won. a great um, description of all the different plug types, mm, and I don't know which ones actually are sold for the Model 3. That was my problem at the moment. But uh, the bottom line is get a thicker extension cord than you think you need. I actually have a NEMA 1040, 1540? I think it's 1540, the big uh, plug that we use, like you were saying, to plug into the charger. I have a almost an inch round extension cable. It weighs about 40 pounds that I use 
not very often, to extend and be able to plug into places. I also have... But you're only plugging the standard into that. You're not trying to plug like a 1540 or... No, I have one for the a standard uh, uh-huh. wall socket, uh-huh. and I have one for the very Closed fat dryer? driver, yeah, dryer cable. So uh, on the Tesla website, if you click on Model 3 charging accessories, they sell Gen 2 NEMA adapters, and they sell the... For the Model 3, the 15, the 515, the 520, the 1430, the 1450, the 1030, then the 615, which is for a welder or a miscellaneous 240 outlet. So the 1030 is the closed dryer outlets installed before 96, the 1540 and the 1530. I'm sorry, the 1450 and the 1430 are for the closed outlets installed after 1996. And that's what I use. It's the 1450 and it gets about 30 miles an hour of charge, which is really great for the Model 3. And somewhat related to this, I'll tell you a little story. So uh, the Model 3, yeah, it's parked outside, uh, concrete slab, 50 amp circuit, and it's one of these 240 volt things that, that comes standard with the Tesla. I can't remember which, it's a NEMA whatever. And uh, if you plug that in and you have the cord sort of lying on the hot concrete in a hot day, there's no shading there, it will only pull 15 amps. Yeah. If you flip the car around, stick it in reverse, and you run the cord so that it's mostly in the shade of the car and then plug it in and the plug itself where it's plugging into the car is in the shade, Mm -hmm. it'll pull 35 amps or 30 amps, twice as fast. Very cool. So it turns out that the heat just running the charge through the cable produces some energy, but also just the solar heat here in California can be really hot, like 100 degrees out there, and that'll drop down the amount of charge so much. So um, if you can, having problems with like, why can't I get the full amount of amperage out of this thing? Just think about it could be because it's getting too hot, particularly if you're charging outside like I do, and try and shade it. And and the, just to be a little more clear, the 1450 has the four prongs and all three of the flat ones are straight. And the 1430, one of the prong, the bottom one, has a little L shape to it. So that's kind of the difference between those two. But they're all available, and you can see pictures. And each one, as you put them in the cart, will show you which one you're going to get. Right. So they've, they've cleared it up a little bit. They put the little chart on here so you have an idea of what you're looking at in terms of mileage gain per hour based on, uh, you know, obviously that depends on the voltage of that particular line, but... It's the there information is, a is there. dizzying array of connectors and stuff. So let's get a link in the show notes for that puppy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the show is Talking Tesla. We've been talking for over two hours. I've got Talking Tesla fatigue because I'm in this tiny little room with these two masculine men and I need to get out of here. <gasps> I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable. Thanks for listening. Good hey, show. Great show. Uh, Good to support see us. Oh, I didn't uh, see Use them. codes. I saw you. Uh, yeah, you know, Robert. Do all of that stuff. Robert 3177. And, uh, you know, Just rating and review, one. you know, do that thing. Yeah, and but only if you want to give us five stars. Four stars maybe at the least. If you want to send us a one-star review on iTunes. Don't. Just stop, stop listening. We're sure. sorry. Yeah. We're sorry you don't like us, but other people might. Yeah, Go on the true. Patreon, give us, you know, six, seven hundred bucks a month. It'd be fun. That's, That's right. It'd be fun. Yeah. Get some full autopilot going on my car. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Good. Full self-driving. And if you're in Los Angeles on Thursday night, in a few days hence, at the... Marina Del Rey Service you Center. You can't invite people. There's like 40 people on the waiting list. Yeah, they said they could hold a lot of people, but there's not enough people from the club to help out. 
Oh, is that the problem? That's a big problem. Are you, could you help out? Uh, well, we'll talk about it. I'm trying to nail you down right I here. I know now. you are, but we're not going to do that on well, the Well, you air. can check the LA Tesla Club website to see about potentially joining us at the Tesla Service Center in Marina Del Rey. There's going to be a semi-annual club gathering, at least 100 people planning on being there. Good times. Our friends at RPM Tesla will, will be there. Will there be vegetarian right. tacos, perhaps? Mm. I don't know. Will there be food served at this uh, shin accommodation? Yes. Will there be shardies and fact, RPM Tesla and Sticker City, where I got my car wrapped, mm-hmm. uh, are sponsoring food and some drink. I can't tell you what kind of drink it is, but yes. Hope it's shardies. Not that I'm going. Yeah, you want to have like a nice drink and drive kind of festival. That'd yeah, be great. you got to do that. That sounds like yeah. a great yeah. idea. Test it and it's going to be at the Tesla Service Center, so that's going to be fun. fun, fun. Oh, that'd be it so is. You get your car service while you're having your shardy and hanging out with your friends. Mm. It'll be closed <laughs> at that moment, but you know, uh, okay. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Adios. Uh, show done. Oh, I'm a lot. Drop. Boom. <laughs>